The RPG After Years is part of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Find out more at probablywork.com. Hi, <laughs> I'm Bill, and I absolutely love old video games, but I didn't have anyone to play with. So I decided to start the Super Switch Club. That's right, a podcast dedicated to discussing and reliving the nostalgia of retro video games that are also on the Nintendo Online Virtual Library. Yes, hello everybody and welcome to the RPG Years, your weekly show covering all Fiji... Oh, blah, 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 blah. Hang on, let me start that again. <laughs> Man! Get your guns, grab your dick and grab some tits. It's time for man's playing with Bill. Man. Hello everyone. Before we get into the Breath of Fire free review, myself and Frostino are here to talk to you guys about the RPG Club because the nominations are in. Are you excited for this round of the RPG Club, Frost? I am. These are some great choices. It was really hard to decide uh, how I'm going to put these votes down. Yeah, same here. There were some games here which I was just like, oh man, I'd love to play this. <laughs> there's there's one particular game which I really want everyone to play because it's only three hours long and then we can have another club <laughs> straight afterwards. <laughs> hopefully hopefully this is it this is hylix time to shine but yes Maybe. just to let you all know <laughs> uh frost i'll let you take the first one all right so the nominations for this round uh, this is what round 12 round 12, 12 of the rpg club that's crazy isn't it of the rpg club uh the banner saga nominated by tin smasher then there was Mega Man battle networks which was nominated by caslo Somehow, Cosmic Star Heroine got nominated, but uh, I don't know who did that. But do you know who nominated that one? Uh, oh no, no, um, Anakin Skywalker, I think, or um, <laughs> or I don't know. It seems like a space ghost. <laughs> someone, someone did it. <laughs> Next up was Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, nominated by Corey, who of course won oh. the vote for Disco Elysium and never played yeah. the game, Corey. Shame on you, shame. <laughs> Finger, fingers crossed on this one. I won't say which way, though. Uh, JS has nominated Golden Sun. I suspect that one's going to be semi-popular. I think so. Is this... This is the... Sorry. is This is the first game, right? Or is... The first... Just the first Golden Sun. Yeah. Not the second one. Because I think the second one's like a 40-hour game. So oh. that one's a lot longer. So the second one wouldn't, wouldn't actually count for this speed run. One, but it's nice to see Golden Sun back because we had to take it off of the uh, eligibility list. <laughs> That's right. Um, before, because it used to be on the um, uh, the Wii Store, was it? I think, and the DS, something like that. Yeah. And then they took it down, but now that it's on the um, Nintendo Switch thing, it's finally back. So yes. Uh, next up was Arami. Amar, is that right? Omori. Om- by, nominated by Scott, who I think just nominated it, so I struggle to say the word. <laughs> well, that game looks dope. Uh, 
I nominated Legend of Mana. Boo. Yeah. Too well. many games where we have sex with trees. <laughs> we'll get to that. Legend next of the Goon people. Legend of the Goon. Um, <laughs> uh, Undertale was nominated by Rob K, who's particularly keen to get Undertale nominated. I think this is like the third time in a row he's nominated that game. Caldranus uh, nominated Cassette Beasts, which is that? Yeah. It's like Pokemon something? I don't know. It looks really good, though. <laughs> I was like, I try not to look too much into the games during the nomination thing, but I just look at a few pictures and Cassette Beasts looks really good. So, yeah. Cassette, uh, maybe Pokemon with music? Who knows? Uh, some guy called Bill nominated RFL. Never heard of it. What? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's one of the few games I own. <laughs> LZ nominated Final Fantasy Strangers of Paradise, which um, I really hope you have to play that. Because <laughs> oh no, uh, don't make me play console games, please. <laughs> I actually do. I actually do really want to play Strangers of Paradise, but yeah, uh, console gaming time is uh, is is limited for me. So <laughs> hopefully not. Then next up is the one that's definitely going to win this time. It's Hylix, nominated by Brett from Skeleton House. The uh, the three hour game that's available on Steam. So yeah, everybody vote for that. Don't don't waste your vote on anything else. Okay, there's no point. I so I actually went and looked at that, and I, I was surprised to find out there's a sequel. Also, yep, Hylix so two. That's Hylix eight hours two. long. Oh, <laughs> play them both. Disa nominated Hero Must Die Again. Is that a sequel, or is that just the weird title? I don't know. I'd never heard of the game before. <laughs> I was like, it looks looks good though. Oh yeah, no, I was gonna say yeah. She she said to me, I wanted to nominate a game I actually own, <laughs> so I was like, okay, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, Deesa's nominations are always these games that I'm like, are these are these real games? And like, yes, they are. Just never never heard of them, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they're um, they're always interesting. And then Brandoken comes in with Rise of the Third Power again, which was kind of my mistake for forgetting to remind Brandoken that he had to make a nomination. So we, we, we rolled over his nomination from the last club. It just about squeezed into the 26-hour mark. So We said 26 hours or less, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and then finally, we sadly didn't get a nomination from RPG and Death Metal. Again. But I can confirm he is alive, Frost. Oh, really? Okay, yes. That's good. That's a good he messaged thing. Me over, he messaged me over Christmas. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> I don't think I spoke to you for a year and a half. Welcome back, James. But then he still didn't get involved in the RPG club. So, James, if you're listening, <laughs> please remember to check your Patreon account. <laughs> Thank you You've for You've got your so many nominations to make. You could influence us so we don't have to play <laughs> Disco Elysium. <laughs> mm. But yeah, that's it really, people. So those are the games. So as a quick recap, we got The Banner Saga, Mega Man Battle Networks, Cosmic Star Harrowing, Cyberpunk 2077, Golden Sun, uh, Omurai, Legend of Mana, Undertale, Cassette Beasts, RFL, Final Fantasy, Strangers of Paradise, Hylix, Hero Must Die, again, Rise of the Third Power, and that's it. You'll get to find out next week what we've picked, or what the patrons have picked. Looking forward to the executions starting early next week. Or early this yes. week? Probably probably today. <laughs> Whenever this comes out. <laughs> yes. Whenever this comes out. Yeah. Come come if you yeah. If you want to come join the Discord and look back through the execution chat, you may. <laughs> Alright then. I'm gonna hand it over to um Bill, Scott and Caslow who are gonna talk about Breath of Fire Free. 
And then Scott, uh, sorry, Frost, you can talk about it next. <laughs> sorry, that's twice oh. I called you, Scott. <laughs> you can give us some thoughts on Breath of Fire 3 next time, okay? Yeah, just make sure Kazlo atones for his crimes. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we may have forgot. <laughs> All right, everyone. Have, See you in a bit. Have fun. Hello everybody and welcome to the RPG Years, your weekly show covering all things RPGs from the past, present and gigantic deserts where the stars do not quite align. Yes, hello everybody. Uh, I'm Bill, and I'm back. Say hello to me, Scott. It's Scott again. Yes, that's right, everybody. Welcome to episode number thirty-five of the RPG Years. It's another handsome chaps review with myself and Scott and this other guy over here. It's time to live out our our second. <laughs> what was this? What's this say? It's time to live out our second best dragon lives. It's the why am I always going unconscious and ending up naked? Game. Breath of Fire 3 Review. That happens to you just most weekends, doesn't it, Scott? Well, don't. <laughs> you, you end up unconscious. You weren't supposed to tell people that. <laughs> Wake up naked. Well, it's usually just ending up naked. So do, is, do we need do we need to be concerned about what Corey's doing to you? May, <laughs> no, there's, there's no problem. Maybe here. DM me. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, blink we're twice if re- you're okay. <laughs> blink. Have you got you guys got your cameras on. <laughs> I didn't have mine on. No. Um, yes, yes, everybody. We're here to review that great game where you wake up naked, unconscious, Final Fantasy 16. Oh, no, wait. Sorry, Breath of Fire 3. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was really weird in Final Fantasy Does 16. Does Clive wake up naked at some point in Final Fantasy 16? 
Oh, you're not there yet, Scott. Oh. <laughs> no, he has. He's, you've beaten Garuda. Oh, yeah. It's like straight after you beat Garuda. Oh, I forgot about that. You just like, you pass out with all your clothes on, and then you wake up like a week later, chained naked to the wall in Sid's dungeon. It's just like- With Sid, Sid, with Sid in your face? <laughs> yeah. It's like, Sid, why- I, think- I mean, I get you might have wanted to change my clothes, but why didn't you put some new Yeah, I think I blocked that from my memory just because <laughs> it was it was too tentilating. So- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you didn't properly introduce Kazlo, though. I know. I was literally about to say, yes, everybody. Kazlo's here, too. Hello, Kazlo. Hey! <laughs> yes, you may remember Kazlo from uh, the Super Switch Club and also from many audio submissions that he puts in for our games. Didn't Kazlo and Frost do a guest like episode by themselves just recently as well? Or by that, I mean within the past few months. Yeah, they did a huge news catch-up for us, so... Thank you very much for that. And um, and we also had the uh, Final Fantasy XIV Fan Fest episode yeah, this me, summer. Me and Kaz did an episode together where we did we covered the Fan Festival for Final Fantasy fourteen. And if you was listening to last week's episode, uh, which hasn't come out yet, guys, <laughs> as at the time of this recording, uh, you would have heard Kaz talking about the uh, Final Fantasy Fan Fest from Japan as well, giving us an update on that. I'll play FF14 one day. Maybe. <laughs> One day. Since it's a review, we won't do much catch up or anything like that. Uh, and hopefully, uh, we'll see how today goes. I reckon this might be a two shot. We might be able to get this done in one go, but we'll have to see how we get on. But before that, just so we don't fall too far behind, quick couple of show updates. Obviously, we've got a new co host, Frost, who isn't here today <laughs> because we arranged this before Frost became a co host and I forgot to invite him. So, <laughs> sorry, Frost. <laughs> I'm sure you'd have loved to have come on this. Um, I'm sure he's got many things to say about Breath of Fire 3. But yes, uh, as for the actual RPG club itself, nominations are going to be opening on the 28th. So as of this recording, last week, because I think this is going to come out on the 2nd of February. (laughs) Uh, It's great doing things ready for the future, isn't it, guys? Makes this really easy. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just a little, I'm, I'm a little sad because... Disco Elysium was something Corey and I both really wanted to play, and I think we've played it once. <laughs> and now it's time for the next one. <laughs> it's okay. I don't think Bill's played it much either. That's a shocker. No, I did. I did. I did at least. I cut, Excuse me. <laughs> I managed to get through all of Final Fantasy twelve and Breath of Fire three. Just you know, dis- Disco came at Christmas time, man. Like I didn't. Just, it was. It was a bad time for us too. Honestly. It was. Um, <laughs> I couldn't get through it. I'm excited about the Execution <laughs> yeah, Club, though. Especially with other games coming out. Oh, always excited about the Execution to- Club. I mean, you would have already killed some games off by now that we don't even know has been nominated. Love to kill people's, uh, <laughs> people's dreams. Destroy them. I'm people's really hopes. wondering how nominations are going to go, though, because the Discord sounds like it might have already decided on a game. Uh, no, I know what you're saying. Do not vote for Golden Sun. So uh, for those for those uh, listening, every, Golden, both Hylix. Golden Sun original GBA games have been announced and to coming to the Nintendo Switch Online, which makes them eligible for nomination again. And I think people are like sub hyped for it. Well, not only does it make them eligible, but also um, because Legend of the Groon, uh, we're doing that as like a big club style thing for the for the for the RPG list. Um, we we kind of thought let's have a short form RPG club game so they don't overlap too much right and also because then if we do a short one we'll get like a little break after we finished it to continue like making sure we get through Legend of Dragoon properly so uh, I put a time limit of under 25 hours 
for the games that can be nominated. I did see that. Which makes it a lot more tricky for people to think of games. But guess guess how long the first Golden Sun is? It's like a... <laughs> isn't it like 23... It's a shorter RPG as far as RPGs go. Yeah, it's like 20, 22 hours according to, <laughs> according to how long to beat. So yeah, I've got a feeling that that's going to be... Um, Shoved in my face. So about seventy-five hours for me and Disa. If if you play quickly. <laughs> Shut up! I'm like, but you're right. <laughs> hey, chat distracts him all the time. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's good. Um, yeah. I mean, other than that, I don't really have much else to get on updating about. Um, have you announced Legend? You know, I'm, I'm playing Yeast Four on the side. Yeah, I'm like three weeks behind on podcasts. Are, are you? Are you? We've started Legend of Dragoon now. Oh right? yeah, Legend. Yeah, Legend of the Goon. I mean, as of today, Scott, Legend of the Goon started last week. Okay. On Sunday. Right. Yeah. I was so supposed to play it this people week. Are, we're, we're all. Yeah, we're, we're all balls into that at the moment. So uh, you've got to reach ho- uh, Hoax, is it? Or Hoax? Hoax. 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 Or at least that's how I pronounce ho- it. Yeah. So you need to reach Hoax by next. Uh, well, Sunday after next, Scott. So the 28th. Shouldn't be, uh, be that hard. People listening, next week will be. Next week will we be the part of segment two for the Legend of the Goon Club. Yeah, and if uh, just to add on here, if you don't know what the RPG Club is, uh, it's a, it's like a book club, but we're all playing RPGs, se- uh, several segments of the game at the same time um, with due dates and all that stuff you would normally expect from a book club. And the patrons, if you want to subscribe to the Patreon, get the chance to nominate and vote for the game that gets uh, chosen for the club. Though... We will, we will remember that Legend of Dragoon isn't the RPG Club game. Uh, no. It's our Golden Years game, um, right. which is something that Bill and Rich. Um, and Rich tried to do long ago, where they were going <laughs> through all the old um, all the old RPGs of the like Super Nintendo to PS2 era. Is that right? The <laughs> yeah, the hope continues. The 16-bit up until the end, up until the end of the PS2 era sort of thing uh but those whole generation of consoles it's like 500 plus games uh and yeah. we're like 30 games deep <laughs> doing good we're doing good but yeah so legend of dragoon's a really long game and trying to keep kind of bill on target uh, as well as so that we don't Me. all burn ourselves out real quickly on the discord uh yeah. kind of broke it down into segments like we do the rpg club uh, and as bill said we're going to be going into the second part um when you're listening to this which will be you're supposed to stop before entering Helena, uh, Helena Prison uh, the second time because uh, you actually enter it during the first segment. I was literally going to say, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm in that prison at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought like, about what? updating the, uh, the Discord Which on that. Which I supposed to go? <laughs> Did I miss a town? <laughs> but these two segments were really short. But yeah, uh, but yeah, Legend of the Goons, great fun. And um, also on the side, just for absolutely no reason whatsoever, I started playing uh, East 4, uh, Mask of the Sun. That game's great. Oh, you got too much stuff as it is. I was, I was no, thinking of <laughs> something similar to say, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, should we move on then? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's talk about the... Re- let's start the review for Breath of Fire 12.
so we are back and as you guys know when we do breath of or sorry when we do uh these reviews we'd like to start with what was going on in pop culture at the time so the release date in japan was september 1997 which was 9626 days ago that wasn't that long or 26 years four months and eight days however this was back during the era where it took many games including rpgs to be delivered for a while so in north america yeah, North America. Uh, that came out on May 18th, 1988, so almost a year later. Uh, 9,377 days ago as of today, uh, which is 25 years, 8 months, and 1 day. Uh, and then it took a little bit longer to get over to Europe, uh, which happened on October 8th, 1998, uh, which is 9,234 days ago, or 25 years, 3 months, and 11 days ago. Yeah. Only having a couple of months gap between Europe and America is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they're like two years. At least years. Europe got it at all. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Got it. Oh. <laughs> yes. Unlike Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI. And Mario RPG, I think. <laughs> Let me get my tiny violin out. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yes. But yeah, also, as Scott said, we'd like to follow the pop culture things. So at the time of release in North America, at number one, was a song called Too Close by Next. I don't particularly recognize this song, do you guys? I didn't recognize it off the name or the like first couple of seconds, but about like 15 to 20 seconds in, it started to click. Yeah. Well, Sometimes with these songs, you have to wait for the chorus to be like, oh yeah, I know that one. But so far, no. Is it, it's a ballad. <laughs> yeah, I've never been one for ballads. I don't recognize it. Yep, no, I'm not familiar with it either. Okay. Uh, anyway. well, I'm the old man. That's probably why I recognize it. Well, you're not that much older than me, are you? I'm 40. I'm a man. I'm 38 ish. <laughs> Very close to 39. I'm not uh, used to being yeah, the baby I'm, anymore. I'm too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh man! And then uh, over in the UK, this is a classic. This is a so. I, I'd love to know if you guys have ever heard of the band Bewitched. Oh, I know of Bewitched. Yeah, they're an Irish girl band. Yeah, they have at least one song I like, but I don't think it's this one. <clears throat> I think it. Yeah, I, it might be this one. <laughs> <laughs> I had no clue who these people were or this song. Oh yeah, I recognize that voice. There's one song by Bewitched in Dead or Alive Beach Volleyball, the first one, and it's good. <laughs> I think you're probably thinking of Sailor V, is Maybe. It? But yeah, I don't recognize this. Sounds like I sounds like I can kind of group to it though. Sorry, I can't. I can't hear you over the music. Oh, no worries. <laughs> I, I was just saying I'm, that. Uh, I'm, get, I'm just getting into Bewitched here. <laughs> yeah, Bewitched is like I said. I only know one song by them, but it's a good one, and this sounds like something I would listen to as well. So I reckon it's this one. <laughs> actually, this one. I actually think I do know. <laughs> say <lovey. laughs> Say you won't. <laughs> this is like unlocking and- some long lost memory. I don't know what. <laughs> being locked in a basement somewhere and being forced to listen to terrible <laughs> Irish girl bands. 
The song I'm thinking of is How Crazy Are You by Bewitched. That's that's the one I know. <laughs> what? No one knows that song. Well, it's in Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball with Extreme Boob Physics, so yeah, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> right, now we know what Scott does in his spare time. <laughs> I can tell stories about that game, but I shan't. <laughs> but something else people were doing in their spare time when this game released was going to the movies. Uh, and we like to look at the uh, box office releases at the time as well. Uh, for the U.S., uh, the number one hit at the time was Deep Impact, uh, which was directed by Mimi Ledger, or Letter, starring Robert Duvall, Tia Leone, Tia Leone, Elijah Wood, and Morgan Freeman. Uh, and this, Wood, I think, happened during a time <laughs> where we had like nine asteroid movies coming out on the course of like two months. Yeah, you can never have enough asteroid movies all at once. <laughs> But do you all do you all remember Deep Impact no, at all? I do remember Deep I Impact. I don't. It was kind of like the well. I, I oh, Scott, it's man. weird that I recognize the last two actors listed there, but not anybody before that. So <laughs> I guess they were up and comers. Well, obviously, everyone has heard of Morgan Freeman. Yes, of course. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't know Robert Duvall. I, yeah, I was thinking that I as don't. well. <laughs> well, maybe if I like knew some characters he played or something, but uh, and then over over. Across the Pond, uh, The Truman Show was number one in the box office when uh, when Breath of Fire 3 released, which was directed by Peter Weir, starring Jim Carrey, Laura Lenny, Noah Emmerich, and Ed Harris. Jim Carrey? Uh, yeah, they're both decent movies. Obviously, Dim- Deep Impact was mildly overshadowed by uh, Armageddon. But, um, wow. Um, just because of the song, mostly. Of course, I know what the movie is, but I've never actually watched The Truman Show, and... Uh... The, the fact that Laura Lenny is in it you is interesting to me because <laughs> I like her a lot. Like I know, I know, I know what you're trying to convince Corey to do this weekend. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's seen it either. Let's watch the Truman Show. I'll have to ask him. It's a decent film. Yeah, it is a decent. Yeah, I actually film. really love it. I know what it's about. Of course, it's just I don't know. I just never got around to it. But I didn't say Ghostbusters until like a year ago. So. <laughs> Right, anyway, I, I need to move on from this conversation before I get mad. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, I could just bring up Ed TV, the clone at the time, yeah. at the no, box office. No. Bloody Ed TV, that's awful. <sighs> <clears throat> anyway, let's get into it, shall we, guys? Let's talk about the history of Breath of Fire 3. <laughs> Breath of Fire 3 is obviously the third installment of the uh, classic turn-based role-playing series, Breath of Fire. 
Uh, the game puts the player in, in control of a series reoccurring main character, Ryu, uh, a member of the legendary brood race of humans who can transform into mighty dragons. And he has blue hair. Uh, <laughs> and his band of companions tend to struggle uh, to unravel the mysteries of the legendary brood guardian war. I'm a little triggered that you're saying Ryu because I've I always said Ryu. So I always I always say Ryu as well, but I think Kazlo's probably right. Uh. <laughs> I I believe it's from a time where everybody said what they wanted. Yeah. So. <laughs> so the the game right why <laughs> the game consists of story cut scenes, overworld exploration, dungeon exploration, random monster battles, predetermined boss fights. We're we're playing a true RPG this time, fellas, and way way too many mini games. It's true. Notably, Breath of Fire 3 was the first game in the series to involve three-dimensional environments that were used in conjunction with hand-drawn character sprites. Really? I did not know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, cool. the, the game before this was on the Super Nintendo, so it was just all sprites. I thought, <laughs> all sprites. <laughs> you said it was a Super Nintendo game? I thought it was PlayStation 1. No, it's PS1. Yeah. Yeah, Breath of Fire 2 oh, okay, was all yeah. sprites. I see what you're saying now. My bad. Yeah, I had to say... Um, this game wasn't the most fun game to research. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> um, it's not not as bad as, uh, as the uh, Seventh Saga, which I'm trying to <laughs> put a review talk together for at the moment. But there's um, surprisingly little, nice, like you know, there's little good information out there about this game. Um, I know Kaz, you you did a lot of the work, but I also tried to sort of go out and try and find some upper, other snippets to put in, and it is a barren desert of information out there yeah i think i think i found like one one interview uh and then i found like a strange like blog interview with uh with the composer yeah that was like on a really small blog so it was there was nothing out there really Ah, you you did well mate oh yeah i could only find that one like translated interview on schmumpulations it was just like (laughs) <laughs> why this game's so loved why is there not more information out there about this that game is odd. I don't know why it's loved it's terrible <laughs> um, anyway uh, the game was developed by Capcom's development studio Free including writer-director uh, uh, Makoto uh, Ikihara I think I did that quite well I'm getting good at this guys Close enough. Uh, Ikihara, in a 1997 interview, spoke on the theme, the theme of Breath of Fire, stating, uh, "I'd be hard pressed at this point uh, to point to something in particular." So there was no theme, uh, but if it had to be, it would be independence. The idea of thinking for yourself. So there was a theme. The idea of thinking for yourself. <laughs> it was something I had in mind throughout the development. So you did have something. What, what, what the fuck is this guy talking about? I had nothing in. He says I had nothing in particular, but all these things. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going off completely off piece here. Uh, I had in my mind through development. Uh, I tried, for example, uh, RPGs where the game leads the car- uh, leads the player by the nose, and everything is spelled out for them. Oh, he's tired, for example, or those type of. I'm, tra- I'm trying Sorry. to relate that I really, back to. Really did not read that very well. Well, I'm trying to think back to how that relates to the actual story of the game, and <laughs> I can't think of anything right now. Yeah, I mean, I thought this game was, like, really linear. <laughs> Thinking for yourself, the only thing I could think of is when, uh, you know, Nina decides to leave the castle and go with Ryu across the continent or whatever. But other than that... <laughs> yeah, I suppose you could have gone left instead of right. <laughs> <laughs> and if we, you know, if we had thought for ourselves, we wouldn't have gone across the ocean. 
painfully through several dungeons and then got right back across the ocean where we didn't want to be. So. <laughs> well, the, the real question is, how did Tipo get over the ocean? <laughs> Don't ask those types of questions. <laughs> let, let, that, let, let, let that one sink in your brain for a minute. <laughs> anyway. Hold up, now I'm trying to think. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I had, a big, I had a big rant on that during the RPG episode, <laughs> the, the club episode. So how did he get over there? All right. So uh, Ikahara went on to explain that the camping system was added to help players know what the uh, what they were supposed to be doing in the main story at the time, uh, as the team feared that players could easily get lost spending hours uh, fishing uh, and then forgetting what they were supposed to do next. I can't remember what I had to say about this. I got something to say about it. <laughs> you, it, might, it might be what you said before. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a good idea, honestly, because I've been playing uh, my fair share of retro RPGs lately. And a lot of times, you know, I might go like a week, week and a half, two weeks between sessions. And when I get back to it, I'm like, what the hell was I doing? Where was I? <laughs> so, so that's a good idea. Yeah, I think, and, I think that is a good idea to put it in there, those sort of camping things. Well, and I think it's something games at this time were, were starting to do in general, because I've been playing some older RPGs uh, from around the same time period, and there's like games where you'll have like a character behind you, falling behind you, uh, and you can usually talk to them, and they'll kind of remind you of what you're supposed to do. So I think they were fearing that, hey, we're starting to make these RPGs that are now getting longer. People might be taking long breaks in the middle of them. They need to know what they were supposed to do when they come back. I'll tell you, it makes it real I mean, hard I, to make to this. summarize like recording sessions when you submit to podcasts about a particular piece of a game that you played like a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I remember firing up Breath of Fire three at least twice, and I spent like an hour just fishing. <laughs> fished, I fished <laughs> once. Like, I fancy doing it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was just like John. I'm just gonna do a little bit of fishing for a bit of money, and then it would be like hours later to be like, ah, I've I've wasted all my time on this. <laughs> See, I think I remember fishing a lot in Breathfire Two in Breathfire Three when I was growing up playing it. I think I spent a lot of time going back and forth to the uh, the fairy village, uh, which we'll talk about in the mm. in the story. I think, uh, but building up that little mini game was something I did. I remember doing a lot as a kid. I was very upset about the fairy village during this game because <laughs> I worked really hard in getting that village set up. And then there's like a section of the game where you can't really get to the fairy village for a while. And then when I got back to it, finally, everyone was dead. <clears throat> and I was just like, you didn't have enough people hunting. I know. Well, I thought I'd, I'd had loads. They'd had loads and loads of food. <laughs> <laughs> I reassigned one person to do a different job. I don't think I went back to the fairy suddenly village there wasn't once enough food. after after unlocking it. So, so <laughs> early in development, Capcom debated dropping the number from the game's title and simply called it Breath of Fire, as it was the series' first entry on the Sony PlayStation. That's a common trope these days, right? <laughs> like they'll they'll make a remake of a game or a new one and just call it like God, God of, of War, War. <laughs> or <laughs> and then or a Resident <laughs> Evil Four, and then you have to like add on a year in parentheses so people know which one you're talking about. But anyway, and what is a common statement from the developers at the time, the most dramatic change for the development team in moving from the Super Nintendo to the Sony PlayStation was not having to worry about memory issues with the hardware. Interesting. It makes sense. Ooh, no more memory. 
Yeah, I, I, it's something I've seen like so many different developers talk about when they made the jump. Uh, just because I don't know, you could you could start to see at the end of uh, the end of the Super Nintendo's life cycle, games started to chug. Uh, I think the big one being Star Fox, but they also were trying to Super FX chip at the time too. Um, yeah, but then everybody coming out of it is just like praising the ability to not have to worry about memory. Which arguably they they were, they were still worrying about memory. Yeah, and then today you download games uh, that are like eighty six gigabytes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, moving on. Breath of Fire three was intended to be the conclusion to the world and style we've been building in the last two games. Uh, one of the biggest changes in Breath of Fire three uh, made from its predecessors was moving away from classical JRPG music to something a bit more jazzy. Whose dumb idea was that? The thing about the music is pretty <laughs> weird in this game. A lot of times, I yeah, I was not a fan. <laughs> this style of music. I don't know. I kind of like the bop that is like the world map theme. Oh no! I seem to remember Frost's like really not liking the world map theme. <laughs> like he really trashed on it. Maybe I'm making that up. But... I think Frost it would be a it. classic cold take. So <laughs> fair. <laughs> <laughs> so cold it's chilly anyway uh in an interview with game music online composer uh, akara kaida explained i think i got that right uh, there were many uh there, uh there were already many rpgs already had a kind of classical style of music including breath of fire and breath of fire 2 i thought it could be it would probably be a good change for the game I kind of wanted to break away from the idea that RPG music had to be classical or orchestral style, and I really thought that a jazzy pop music would suit the visuals of Breath of Fire 3. That's the main reason why, uh, though I have to admit that jazzy pop music also ended up on there because it's kind of the music that I liked. I have like one eyebrow raised all the way to the sky right now, but okay. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, I mean... This is just te- this is just a, an affront to music, to be honest with you. Uh, all RPGs should be in either a classical orchestral style or metal orchestral style. Uh, uh, but I'll allow J-pop just because of uh, World of Final Fantasy's ending. Best. Well, and Persona. <laughs> True. No. Are you anti-Persona now? <laughs> well, I've only played Persona 1, and they didn't have much J-pop on that. So. Well, they will if you play the PSP remake. From, from what I understand, <laughs> well, Persona, Persona didn't get good until three, right? No, Persona Persona One's PSP remake replaces the soundtrack with something that's more similar to like P- uh, uh, Persona Three or Persona Four. Oh no! <laughs> no, nah, Persona One's really nice and dark. I like it. <laughs> yeah, it was something everybody actually complained about. Oh, it's such a such a bad PlayStation. And I'll just throw in there once again <laughs> that uh, Waff's ending, World of Final Fantasy's ending, is the best part of that game. So. Uh, it's, it's absolutely ghost. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm still a fan of It's All But. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's All But. <laughs> um, so one thing that the Breath of Fire series is known for is its cameos, and that continues in Breath of Fire 3. So, for example, in the arena fight against Scar, you can find Street Fighters Chun-Li and Sakura in the arena crowd. I do remember that, although I don't think I clocked that at the time of playing. Um in the arena town, Jin Mel, you also can also witness Bo and Sten from Breath of Fire 2 having an argument. I haven't played Breath of Fire 2, so I wouldn't know about that. And then one very hard spot cameo is Doraemon, who appears in a few frames of Ryu's dragon transformation. Huh. Finally, the combined stallion form of Balio and Sunder. Oh, God. 
I was dreading the moment they came up, is actually a reference to Ultraman, whom it shares a color scheme and signature attack. And yeah, I'm kind of remembering that. And I didn't think about it at the time, but yeah, it does resemble Ultraman. Okay, but that's all we can find. As Bill mentioned, there's not much information out there out, uh, out there about this game. So we're going to take a quick break before we move on to the story. So, right, you're a dragon. <laughs> Picture this, guys. <laughs> you wake up one day and you're in a crystal. Uh, the game begins uh, in a mine where the minerals are being harvested from the fossilised remains of dragons uh, when a large deposit <laughs> is cracked open by a dynamite. Uh, a preserved baby dragon emerges and is attacked uh, and is attacked by the frightened miners and defends himself quickly by killing everyone who gets in wait, the way. Wait, wait, I got I to cut uh, in here. Hang on, hang on. I got to cut in here. When I played this part of the game, the intro, I thought I was playing as the miners. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think everyone did when they first started playing this. No, but you're playing as the dragon. I just assumed so. I was going to be the miners. <laughs> yeah. Then you get into that fight scene, don't you? And it's just like, oh wait, I have to burn them alive. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, and then they're left remind left they're left there as like burnt Chris looking like like burnt bacon. Yeah, kind of like how uh, the, and, uh, the, the burned corpses in Parasite Eve look, just like crispy meat. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is dark. Oh, this actually this actually drove me crazy as well. Because it's an RPG, the first thing I did was search the two bodies. <laughs> and one of the guys had a bent sword on him, uh, which was like an... Im- like you couldn't you couldn't go into the menu to change anything while you're in dragon form. But after, when you wake up, um, you can equip it. And so, because well, I found that on the first one, I then explored the entire mine, killing everyone, and then searching their bodies, and no one else had a goddamn thing. Well, that's also <laughs> something I would do. I was just like, ah, oh, the game has tricked me. <laughs> it's made me think there'll be items around here, but there's nothing. There's nothing. Ah, oh, just one bent sword. Uh, anyway, the miners managed to surprise the dragon, uh, knock him unconscious, and place him aboard a train to be taken away for study. Uh, on the way out of the mine, the dragon jostles himself off the cave, which you have to do, you have to do it yourself. You have to move around the, the joystick. That took me, uh, that took me about two minutes too long to figure out. So. <laughs> yeah, same here. I was watching the I was just watching it, thinking, "What's happening next?" <laughs> it's like, "Can I move?" Oh, the cage moves. Uh, so yeah, the cage rolls off the train and rolls down a hill onto the outskirts of a large forest. Uh, you then wake up unconscious and naked on the floor, but as this time as a small boy. <laughs> With blue hair, you're no longer a dragon. Um, and you're found by a wandering cat-like thief named Rye. Are we saying Rye or Re? Uh, I Rye. say Re, but I'm I'm not sure what everybody else says. I say Ray. So. Re? <laughs> Ray. Uh, Ooh, I don't know if I'm right. Going, Scott's going controversial. <laughs> Ray sounds right, good too. I'm going to go with Ray. Ray. 
Ray, who believes him to be an abandoned child. Uh, taking him to his home in the woods. <laughs> I need an adult. <laughs> they meet Tipo, uh, Ray's longtime friend and partner in crime, who agrees to let the boy uh, into their thieving operation and find out that his name is Ryu. Uh, actually, they don't find out his name's Ryu, don't they? Doesn't Tipo just go, hey, your name's Ryu? I don't know how I know that. Uh, it's so It's been so long. I can't remember, it was six months ago or something. <laughs> I'm sure there was something like that that happened. <laughs> um, it's the only thing he can remember, apparently. Uh, when the team attempts to rob the woodsman uh, Bunyan, <laughs> named after Paul Bunyan, uh, they are captured and tasked with killing a new, new who is terrorising the nearby village of McNeil. Uh, accompanying this, the party discovers that the new was gathering food for her dead young, not realising they were dead. Which was very, very sad. There's a lot of traumatizing moments in this game. Like, what? Only in the early part of the game. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think there's a couple later, too. Which I'm just now realizing earlier you were talking about this Tipo and not the uh, the little onion guy when they crossed no, the ocean. Pe- for some, reason, that's, that's for some reason in my brain I was thinking of Pico. So that's why I was so confused. That makes sense now. Uh, but, get, yeah. Getting back to the the story, though, um, (laughs) shortly after the new encounter, um, the party encounters the shadowy figure Loki, um, who encourages them to steal steal from the town's corrupt mayor and redistribute the money to the village. Uh, The mayor, however, is secretly a member of a large crime syndicate. And the mayor contacts two hitmen, the horse brothers Balio and Sunder, to seek revenge, who proceed to burn down the trio's home and violently attack and beat the party, uh, leaving them for dead. Um, and fun for the bit of trivia here, it's it, there was a long-held rumor that with enough grinding, you can actually beat Baleo and Sunder. Um, and it comes, I think, from an old strategy guide that like hinted at that being possible, uh, but people have figured out that it's actually impossible to beat them. What is this, like, El Israel 2021 or whatever that... <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, so this is our introduction to Baleo and Sunder, who are a pain in the ass for the first third of this game. Um, but yeah, so basically, Ryu is with uh, Ray and Tipo, and is it Tipo or Timo? Tipo, okay. And uh, the, you know, you've bonded with these characters by then, so it's like a, it's kind of a shock at this moment. But uh, anyway. Ryu finds himself in the care of Bunyan, the uh, the woodcutter, who had found no trace of his friends. Believing them to be alive, Ryu attempts to travel to the city of Windia before he's captured by Baleo and Sunder, who discover his dragon form. I'm, I'm just remembering like all the events that take place between these sentences. But yeah. <laughs> uh, Baleo and Sunder take <laughs> Ryu to Windia, hoping to get a reward for finding a real dragon. However, they reveal Ryu to the king that he's transformed back into his human form. Uh, the king, thinking he was being swindled, commits the three to the castle's prison. And this is when you meet, uh, I guess, our deuteragonist, Nina. Uh, she's the princess of Windia. She's like a little uh, blonde girl with curls. Uh, feels Ryu is being fairly... And I think Nina, she's like the only other recurring character, right? Like main character. It's Ryu and yeah. Nina, always. Uh, she feels Ryu is being unfairly punished and goes to the prison to release him. However, she's tricked by Balio and Sunder. Uh, and they want to take her too because she's a princess so they can get money for her. Uh, but Ryu breaks out and creates an opportunity for two to escape through the castle's catacombs. And I think he does that by 
turning into a dragon, if my memory is correct. No, he just like runs into the um, he just runs into the prison cell door, doesn't he? And it falls off. Sounds right. It, 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 and yeah, then he, he catches like, up. Has with some him. sort of strength, and then gets yeah is able to get it's out. Of what? Uh, and then he just fights and dies to Bailey on Sunder again. <laughs> yep, and then they run through the catacombs, don't they? We have to read all the, the graves. God. That was actually the first time I almost died in this game, too, because there was one of the enemies that just, like, one-shot Nina, and then, like, Ryu was at very low health, and I was like, oh, God, I'm going to game over and lose, like, an hour worth of progress. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't my favorite part of the game. Well, actually, no, the next part was my least favorite part. <laughs> uh, I feel like we could just skip the whole next section and just say, um, let's get to the bit where Gar kills the horse dudes. We don't even have to introduce who Gar is. It's just like... <laughs> or Momo or, or Pekka. No, we don't need to worry about any of this stuff. So yeah, we just pick up a few characters. <laughs> then we kill the horse dudes at last. No, no, I'll do it properly. All right, leaving Windia, uh, Ryu and Nina once again run into Balio and Sunder, who capture the duo and take them to uh, the arena town of Gemmel. Uh, arena because it's where they do like fighting for fun <laughs> where you could watch and pay and bet on it you know like like all good civilizations have uh rio and nina escape again uh fleeing to a nearby mountain where they are sold out by a tram operator to Balio and sunder they are able to avoid capture however by falling off the side of a mountain <laughs> as rio transformed into a dragon to protect nina so like to protect her fall basically that's how i usually escape capture yeah, throw yourself off a mountain, mountain, turn into a dragon. <laughs> uh, Ryu and Nina eventually come across a large tower and they meet Momo, uh, an inventor and engineer who is researching the properties of Chrism. Together with her robotic assistant Honey, the three escape the tower uh, after first perusing her fa- uh, Momo's father's extensive pornography library that he has at the <laughs> top of the tower. <laughs> Uh, by a rocket, which which her dad created. Uh, when a group of bounty hunters arrive looking for them, Momo Lee, le- well, the rocket first of all takes off and crashes because it's only supposed to be for one person. It's too heavy. And they also, they forgot to open the roof. <laughs> so it just smashes through the roof. Cal- calamity was ensued. Uh, this all sounds really good, but this was like the most boring part of the game for some reason. Uh, Momo leads them to a nearby Chrism research facility conducting experiments on plants. Uh, when they are approached by the Institute's chairman and colleague of Momo's father, Dr. Palat, or Palat, uh, who tells them that there is a mutant creature causing trouble at the dump. <laughs> like, is it the dump? Who cares? <laughs> Typical. Uh, their biological, yeah, where their biological waste is stored. <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought leaving all that biological waste wouldn't cause a problem? Um, as the four continue their... Oh, no, sorry. I've missed a bit. Uh, yeah, after defeating the mutant plant creature, it gives up its offspring, which was like a bit weird. Like you throw the creature into lava and then it spits out an onion. It also asks to be killed. Yes. Please kill me. Really dark too. I, I'm an abomination. Take my child. <laughs> uh, and yeah, we name then we name the we name this weird onion thing Pico. Um as the four continue their journey back to Windia, they are again captured by Balio and Sunder in a double cross by Dr. Pallet and taken back to Gamel. So we're back where we fucking started. Uh, after fighting through the arena that on behalf of Balio and Sunder. Oh, I know. So this is the thing, like, this whole section of the game could have just been cut out. Like, we could have just bumped into Momo at some point and then had this fight with Gar. <laughs> that, that would have been it. Um... 
or just met um, Momo later. But yeah, it's just yeah. Well, yeah, if they'd have just split it up, actually, you got to Gamal, had the fight with Gar. Gar helps you do kill Balio and Sunder, and then you do the bit where you meet Momo and Pico. That would have flowed better, I think. Anyway, um, yeah, so the team meets Gar, who is uh, a seasoned warrior, and he actually beats you in the arena. So you're fighting on behalf of Balio and Sunder in order to win their money in the arena. But Gar wins it overall, and he gets to claim anything he wants as his winnings, which seems like a, a bit of an extensive prize to give someone. <laughs> like, I want to be king of Windia. Uh... <laughs> I will say that the uh, I remember this this being one of my favorite parts as far as like how interesting it was, like just just the whole tournament sequence. Maybe I like tournaments. Mm. Oh yeah, no. My main my main criticism is the bit where you have to go round in that you you literally go round in a square on the map, like you start from Gamel, you go off, you get to the tower with Momo. There's like a cafe or something. Then you get to the research facility, go to the dump, then you get traded back in, and you're back at Gamel, and it's just like you've gone in a big square. That's just the bit <laughs> I didn't like. It's just like it oh, felt like it just took right. away all your progress. Yeah, I agree. After fighting through the arena, uh, on behalf of Bailey and Sunder, meeting Gar, Gar trades his winning and says, "I want, I want Ryu." <laughs> Basically, he's going to be my bitch. Clack, cracks his knuckles. All right, the team then, uh, now freed as a result of Gar's actions, make their way back to Windia uh, when they're once again attacked by Bailey and Sunder, uh, who this <laughs> time combined into a larger horse form stallion. Um, oh. But Gar shows up to save the day, uh, defeating Stallion, and then requests that the team accompany them, Ultra uh, horse. accompanying him <laughs> to a sacred temple called Angel Tower, far to the east. Uh, the team then gets their passports from the king, leaves Nina behind, and heads east. Uh, Nina, however, sneaks out of the castle to join the team uh, as a result of some help from Honey, uh, who like she like jumps off the castle holding Honey. And Honey, like, slows her fall to the ground. I was confused. Was that Honey? I thought that was Nina. No, it was Nina, but it was... I, I think it was Honey that, like, slowed the... I don't oh, think I Nina, Nina had some sort of like. I thought Nina had some sort of, like, inner angel ability that slowed her down. Now, I know that uh, uh, Honey was leading Nina out. So, I don't... Yeah, I don't remember the details that specifically. At the very least, they jumped off the castle. Which is the important part. And lift. But they meet up with the team. They cross a gigantic bridge to get to the next continent um, and arrive at a fishing village um, where the team has to help the uh, the guild repair the town's lighthouse in hopes of a ship coming back so that they can cross the the inlet there. Um, Repairing the lighthouse, however, angers a fairy who demands that the lighthouse be turned back off. Um... which this part I didn't put it in here, but the the repair mini game. I don't know how annoying it was for you all. I you have to. It's like you've got these waves going up and down, and you've got to like hit it at just the right time uh, to get like the engine to restart to power the tower. Uh, and every time you use it, it uses a uh, a fire <laughs> chrism, which is actually <laughs> one of Momo's like weapons. And there's some in the dungeon, but if you run out of those, you have to like grind money and go back to town and buy more ammo to try and power up this lighthouse. Um, I hate to sound like a dick, but I I did it first time. <laughs> I hate you. 
That's why I forgot about it. I was like, what? I was trying to think what you was talking about. I was like, oh, yeah, the little wavy thing. It's just like, oh, yeah, uh, I did that first time. Sorry. <laughs> anyway. But, yeah, so we've got this angry fairy um, who comes after us demanding we turn off the lighthouse. Uh, and then she, like, breaks the lighthouse so it's stuck in the on position. Uh, and so she demands you come back to the fairy village with her, um, where the team learns that a monster has been demanding the lighthouse be turned off or he would eat the fairies. Um, and when we encounter the dolphin, he turns out to be like this Australian dolphin, um, that attacks Ryu after like convincing everybody else to, to go do something. I was, Uh, I was very struggling to remember this part just now. It's like uh, an Australian dolphin. Uh, and yeah, I remember uh, a dolphin s- s- sails up and turns into a monster. <laughs> uh, which the reason that they used Australian for the accent is because uh, in the Japanese, he uses like a distinct regional Japanese accent. Um, and so localization was like, well, we got to give him something funny for us. Let's just make him say oi a lot. <laughs> oi, what's got you go? Let into me like that. <laughs> no worries, mate. This you lock out. I was just mining the sheetless. Do you want to take it outside? <laughs> What's with the lighthouse anyway? Bloody nuisance. Can't get a wink with it shining on right. Get rid of it. It implies ain't else. Else we might have a bit of Barney happening. <laughs> that was beautiful, guys. Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I've got a tear in I my hate eye. you for making us do that. <laughs> I really need to read I can't these. believe you guys actually read it. I really need to like read these docs before I agree to uh, guest toast. I know. Scott, <laughs> Scott is my anchor man. Like he will just read whatever's on the doc. <laughs> so moving on from the dolphin death in the fairy village, weird sentence. Uh, so <laughs> even with the lighthouse repair, the guild ship never returns to the town. The group is granted permission to use a passage through a nearby active volcano, which is a total, totally normal thing to do. After the volcano, the group arrives at the Eastern Temple where Gar and Ryu journey inward alone. It is there that Gar reveals the true fate of the brood, having been, and again, the brood are the dragon people, having been slaughtered by him and his fellow guardians by the hundreds at the behest of Miria, an ancient goddess who promised an age of peace in return for their services. And Ryu, as the last living dragon, Gar attempts to slay him, which is actually a pretty like cool part of the game because, you know, you've theoretically learned to trust Gar by this point. Uh, but Ryu beats him and escapes. And having failed to defeat a child of the brood, Gar realizes that the brood didn't really fight back against the Guardians and could have easily defeated them. So he starts, to, at this point of the game, Gar starts to have like a moral dilemma for the rest of the game. Time skip. We jump several years later. It's really cool though, I just on that last bit. It's really cool when he... um turns into the huge like Ryu turns into the huge Kaiser dragon and flies off. Yeah. And I think also that's the I think also that's the bit where there's the naked lady inside the triangle. Right. I think that's coming up. But I think you see her in there, but you can't unlock the triangle at this point. <laughs> Did this game come they, out or yeah, Ocarina so, yeah. of Time first? I'm now I'm wondering. I think it's this game, right? I'm I think uh, 1997, this one. So um, I think it will be this. It was Ocarina, though, I think. Ocarina of Time was... I guess it would have been too close. November 98. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. This, yeah. It, this was first. 
Yeah, I'm just wondering because of the time skip where now you're a teenager. So that was like, hmm. Well, Breath of Fire 2 is generational, isn't it? Is this a common... No. Is that a common trope no. in the Breath of Fire games? There, you start as a kid and... I mean, Breath of Fire 2, you start off as a child, but it's literally just like the opening scene. And then it jumps, like the whole... Outside of like the prologue, you're a teenager the whole game. Okay. So we now, yeah, so again, we now jump several years later, uh, where reports of a rampaging dragon had led Gar to the same mines where Ryu was originally found. And he finds adult Ryu, well, teenager, <laughs> within its depths. Uh, convincing Ryu that he will not harm him, Garm instead asks for his forgiveness for his actions against the Brood, and asks that Ryu help him discover the truth behind Miria's genocide of the Brood. Leaving the mine and heading east, uh, after fighting a very angry zombie dragon, uh, the two run into a wild t- uh, were-tiger. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... And find Nina. <laughs> See, this is all so condensed. So yeah, the were-tiger is obviously Rai. <laughs> Re. Uh, now a young adult who is arresting the mayor of McNeil for corruption. Uh, returning to his woodland home where Ryu and Re and T- uh, lived with, Re and- with Rai and Tipo, uh, Ryu discovers that Rai is alive and well seeking revenge on Balio and Sunder, not realising that they're dead. Uh, it's also It also appears uh, he has run... He, uh, It also appears he has also not seen Tipo since the incident. Uh, Rai discovering that Balio and Sunder are dead at Ryu's hands, but they were working for a crime syndicate, leaves to get revenge on the syndicate's leader. This leads to a reveal where Rai is the were-tiger from before, and the syndicate's leader is a demon in disguise. What? (laughs) It's pretty predictable, though. All those plot points. That also sounds like a really metal song. Demon in disguise. <laughs> Demon in disguise. <laughs> I have one question, real quick. Adult Nina. Why does she have like fairy wings? I always thought her adult character design was odd. No answer. Well, she's always had wings in all the games. Usually they were like more bird like. It was weird that they gave her like fairy wings in this one. I thought it was part of her clothes, well, but then I was like, that, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's really weird clothes. <laughs> no, she's one of the last descendant, descendants of the winged race that's in the Breath of Fire games. But her wings don't work, basically. So it's almost like from breeding with uh, the brood over the years has weakened her flying genetics. And so her wings are just like stunted. That's interesting. Uh, this is the only Breath yeah. of Fire I've played, so... Which I can't remember because I don't think I used her during the adult uh, timeline. Oh, she's the worst. In in battle, does she like fly at all? I mm. I don't think she so. She always has a little animation where she kind of like floats for a second and casts her magic and then goes back down. Okay. All right, stop fucking dragons and then you'll be okay and you can fly again. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe the I dragon fucking is worth it. Life. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but with that demon uh, destroyed and Ray back on the team, uh, the team decides to check on sus- some suspicious activity going on at the plant, uh, per Nina's orders, uh, where they find Momo, who's been performing experiments at the plant institute, with Pekka. 
who himself has been frequently visiting uh, this giant tree named Idrisil. Uh, but investigating the plant, they uh, it's revealed that Dr. Pallet uh, was responsible for all the plant mutations uh, as he was conducting experiments to revive his dead mother. And there's a really kind of dark moment here, too, where you find out that it's got, like, this material left over from, like, Dr. Pallet's, like, mother in the machine. And you have to destroy de- determine whether to destroy that material or not after you defeat Dr. Pallet. I forgot about that. It was really weird. I'm like, why is this even in here? <laughs> Did you just want God, us to no. feel traumatized? That's that's the main that's my main criticism is like a lot of these side plots just don't have anything to do with the game towards the end. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the main reason why I get a bit um, antsy about it. Uh, but with that out of the way, Nina re- needs to re- return back to Windia so she can make a report on the whole situation, um, and the team needs to get uh, passports again. Uh, so they send Ray in since he's the only one that wasn't there before. Um, but the King ends up attempting to capture Ray after it's kind of spoiled to him that Ray is childhood friends with uh, Ryu and believes that Ryu was responsible for Nina's abduction as a child. Uh, so Ray and Nia luckily escape through a teleporter that was located in the castle's basement that Honey was able to get activated. Right. And I remember this next part of the game being a little interesting. Uh, So they return back to Angel, and the team receives information about Miria's whereabouts from Dias, who is Miria's sister. And Dias is the naked lady in the tower, right? The crystal lady, whatever. Yeah. 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 And she had been sealed by another guardian named Geist. So Dias opens uh, Ryu's third eye, which signals Miria was located far to the north across the ocean, and this is going to be a problem. <laughs> I, you know, I, I avoided. I, I, to, what's funny is I'm looking at this paragraph, and this is like eight hours worth of shit. Yeah, into like five sentences. <laughs> I'm also I'm also a little frustrated because I specifically tried to be mature about it and I ruined it. <laughs> uh, I'm not here to be mature. <laughs> In order to cross the ocean, the team has to repair the fishing guilds both that are stranded in Junktown, and I'm just now realizing we skipped oh. that whole section about the nerdy guy that we turn into an absolute beast to win the pirate lady's uh, affection. Yeah. But, uh... I think that was earlier. Yeah. I think that was before. I think that was during the child time. <laughs> it was during the child they've got, time. They've got a, at, this uh, po- at this point, they've got a child. Yeah. <laughs> After acquiring the requisite parts from the nearby still beach, the boat is repaired, and then the team quickly learns it cannot stand up to the waves of the Northern Ocean. And this part is slightly satisfying because you get um, the villain from that storyline I just mentioned, uh, who is just like an extremely jacked guy. Um, as your uh, yeah, pilot. he becomes your new boat captain, right? And sings out the only man rumored to have crossed it, the legendary mariner. Golly, I'm like, as I read this, I'm like, oh yeah, that part. Um, after a quick side quest, yeah, like the, bit, the bit on Steel Beach was the mini game where you had to pull the stuff in from the ocean. <laughs> and oh, then you had to go find all the ship parts that are hidden behind certain angles in the uh, in the container. Yeah, which there was oh, one so that I missed, so and I couldn't figure games. out which one it was from the guide. So I literally went like square by square on the entire map, just clicking to make sure 
I didn't miss touching something. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, after a quick side quest to make the mayor of the village, uh, the fishing village of Parch, eat seafood, the teen learns the mariner is located in a craggy area of the nearby sea and gets a sea chart to navigate the area. And Bill, you have a note here that we should talk about the speedboat minigame, but I'm not jogging my memory. <laughs> Did you do you remember the speedboat minigame where you had like you had like a minute and something to get through the section to get to where the legendary man, mariner is? It was Otherwise, like this own little like would push you back. It was like its own little world map, and you had like a mini map up and had to like navigate it. You also could go like other places on the map and get treasure, but yeah. I said screw it, I just want to get through this thing. Yeah, there was like three items that you could get. I got two of them. Um, but you wouldn't have enough time to get an item and reach the Mariner. So it's kind of like you'd have to do it four times at least to get to it. But I really struggled with just getting through this bit. It was it was a tough, tough minigame. I, I vaguely remember raging at this part, but I, I must have blocked it from my memory mostly. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the mariner ends up being just a normal guy <laughs> who did not actually sail the ocean but he instead he washed up here from the northern continent uh, instead the team discovers they will need to hitch a ride on the black ship that, patrol- that patrols the nearby sea uh, it seems to have made its way here by uh, on automated trips to the, nor- to the northern continent and back but for some reason it's now stuck in the area after ramming the sh- the back of the ship, the team boards the black ship and resets its systems. Which again is another like three hours worth of content. And it's like five mini games to get that ship running. Yeah, like the last one is like you have to go down to a room, push a button, and then you have to make it back upstairs and then push a button upstairs, but on like the count of one hundred. Yeah, so and it doesn't like count show it. Head. Yeah, you have no. to sh- you have to count in your head the whole time. It's like one, two. Three. <laughs> when you get there, it's just like now. Oh, I got it. <laughs> I think it took me like three time times times to get it. Oh, I I at least two or three goes at that. Just just terrible. <laughs> yeah, so I'm starting to get like a things a little mixed up in my head. But it, this is the part where you have to like go through tiles and solve puzzles, but you have to go the wrong way, and then there's like duplicate machines that go the opposite way. You do all that shit. Or is that later? I think that's, that's later. later. I think that's in. I think that's in. That's right Shea, before. Yeah. That's right before the desert of death. I think. Okay. What you're thinking of? Okay, I think you're right, actually. <laughs> but after all those mini games, we cross the ocean to the northern continent uh, and find a town littered with advanced technology, uh, as well as dudes like dressed up with goggles and like uh, skin tight suits. Um. Leaving town. Really? <laughs> I missed that. Yeah. I thought it was just robots in the first. No, day. they were like people. I thought <clears throat> I was rather sure there were people there too. Um, they look kind of like the Mariner, I think, <laughs> but leaving town, you explore the area and discover and find a tower named the colony uh, with a ro- large rotating dish at the top uh, with a teleporter room, similar to the one in angel tower. Reactivating the teleporter with another minigame, uh, the team uses it and ends up back on the Eastern Continent at Steel Beach, uh, which everybody in the Discord loved. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, great. I'm <laughs> fucking back here. <laughs> but at least we're in like a different part of Steel Beach and we've got like a separate dungeon to do. Uh, but we have to climb to the very top of that Steel Beach structure 
um, and realign uh, the dish up top uh, and discover a new teleport location, Dagnir, the last known village of the Brood. In Dragnir, they learn of the battle between the heroes from the first Breath of Fire and the goddess millennia ago, uh, which this is really cool. Cause you go down into like underneath the town mm. and there's this big long mural and it's literally like the, uh, the concept art for, or the official art for breath of fire one, mm. um, which I've not played breath of fire one, but I know the art. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. until you have to speak to the, to the elder who's at the end of the mural and he's just like a complete perv. <laughs> so you <laughs> have like, to bring me a hot lady. Yeah, so you have to talk to him with like Nina. Uh, I think if you talk to him with Momo, he gets upset. But you have to, yeah, basically you have to talk to him with Nina, otherwise he won't talk to you at all. It's pretty funny <sighs> because if you talk to him with Momo, he says something like, "I thought I said I wanted to talk to the pretty lady or something, <laughs> something like that." <sighs> uh, he is a uh, he's very misogynistic because this was back in the era when it was okay to have that as like a popular trope in anime things. <laughs> yes. I think it still is popular. I it, yeah, I was going to say in Japan, I think it might still be popular. Yeah, well, <laughs> that will never die. They love that stuff. <laughs> I didn't want to speak for them. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but go ahead. the the elder, go ahead, Scott. You first. Okay, I, I was going to continue on unless you had something to comment on. No, continue. Okay. Um. Doo -doo -doo -doo. So the elder tells us that Miria has returned to seek her revenge against the brood or had returned to seek her revenge against the brood. Um, and the village was able to avoid Miria's wrath by giving up their draconic powers. All except himself, of course, who resides in this barriered room beneath the village, um, which also prevents Ryu from transforming, um, defeating Jono after he transforms uh, <laughs> in a test of strength for Ryu. Uh, Ryu gets his final gene, the infinity gene. Other than the per the pervert part, uh, pretty cool part of the game. Yeah. So yeah, it was cool that he was hiding so that Maria couldn't sense his dragon ability. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Cause he also like, he asks to talk to everybody specifically like Gar, then Ryu, then Nina. Mm. But anyway, <laughs> So the team then has to navigate the Desert of Death, Lordy Chickens, uh, to the north to reach Miria. The trip requires several days to cross, and before the team can reach the other side, they are attacked by a powerful monster named Nanmo. So after that battle, in a very traumatizing part of the game, Nina passes out from heat exhaustion, and will, she's going to die if she's not treated quickly. So in order to save Nina, uh, you say the team, but it's really just Ryu. Slaughters their Rodka, which is like a camel-like creature that has been accompanying them through the desert. Uh, Ray's pretty impressed by Ryu's... I don't know what the right word is. Ruthlessness to... Resolve. Jump, yeah. Gumption. <laughs> Gumption, yeah. Uh, and the camel's meat is said to cure this form of exhaustion. So that makes Nina recover finally and reach the nearby oasis where she can be treated. And I remember when I streamed this part of the game, there were a couple of people in chat who... Like, uh, you know, they, they typed it, but they were like, I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> no. And then, can <clears throat> we no, just, I was just annoyed. <laughs> and can we just talk about real quick how the desert of death was absolutely the worst part of the game? Like absolute <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it was total, total dog shit. 
Um, I think I, I said it before, like I, I didn't even understand which way I was supposed to go. I didn't even understand how I was supposed to look at the, the instructions on where you're supposed to go through the desert. <laughs> so I was just absolutely fucking clueless. Isn't there like a mistranslation that leads people astray here? As far- yeah, it, but it's. I think it's only in the PS1 version. I think they fixed it for the PSP. Okay. Uh, because I think the version that's on PSN is the PSP version. Yeah, so um, maybe this should go in gameplay, but just so everybody knows, the way this place works is you're suddenly on like a... Um, like a what? What's that? The special effects mode seven. Mode yeah, you're on a mode seven 3D plane all of a sudden, and you have eight different directions you can go, and you're meant to go towards the brightest reddest star, but it's, it's not that easy because there's also a slightly less bright red star that looks very similar, and yep. if you get even one two steps wrong as far as how how you proceed, you end up back at the start and. In the meantime, it's like oh, oh no, you don't. You have to you have to ride your Raconda thing. You have to choose to get on your Raconda to t- for it to take you back to the start. You just basically keep wandering, <laughs> right, um, until you find this one speck of a town, right. And in the meantime, but you you there. get dehydrated along the way. So part of your reason to go back to town is you need to go get more water. Yes, <laughs> and like Caslow just said, if you stop well you have to stop but like every day and then do a camp scene and it's it's just like a pain in the ass especially this is just a little bit later but if you're a completionist like i try to be um once you do reach your destination you've still got more shit to find and it's just as painful (sighs) i I think did you find the extra item scott i think i got two out of three before i finally gave up and i was like this fucking blows (laughs) (laughs) I think I I think I got no I got three of the items I got there was a set of armor for Ryu a sword for Ryu and I got the death claws for Pekko because Pekko was in my in my party yeah the death claws is what I really wanted but I didn't get it I got the sword for Ryu and then I was just like nah sod this um, but again I think um, I've got um, I've got realness to thank because he came onto the Discord and said basically. Like, because it gives you the game gives you instructions with the stars in the sky. Like, there are stars that move, but there's one that doesn't move. And uh, Realness just said, if you basically from the very start line yourself up between these two stars and then just keep going forward, and then every time when like you have to camp during the day because it's too hot, every time you have to camp during the day and then you come back to it, just make sure you align yourself again between those two stars and go, and it will take you straight to the town. And that's the only reason I got through this part of the game. <laughs> Oh, and the, thing, this is- the thing that the thing that Scott forgot because this is what makes that that even difficult <clears throat> is that there's random encounters as you're walking through here, yeah. And that takes you to to like the the world map battle screen where it's like a like d- diamond, but it's a square tilted at a 3D angle, <clears throat> um, like world map thing that you can walk through. And so like you'll get attacked, play put into that, then have to leave it, and then your camera could be mixed up. And so you have to realign yourself too. Yeah. And isn't this where you you got stuck the first time you played this when you were younger, Kaz? This is why it you was. nominated the game, I, wasn't it? I tried it like <laughs> I, I kept like following the instructions it gave me, which were the wrong ones, uh, because it was the mistranslation for the PS1 era. And I ended up just 
just giving up. And it was funny because I, I was really enjoying the game up until that point. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of the most bullshit things I've encountered in a otherwise okay video yeah. game. <laughs> I'm I'm not a fan of desert areas in general, but this is like bottom tier, even even for desert areas for me. Uh, I did not like this mechanic at all. It's just like completely alien from the rest of the game as well. Yeah, and I remember thinking that I was um, <clears throat> ready to finish the game, and I knew like this wasn't too far from the end. And then they throw this at you, and I was just like, "Please let it be over." <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> Oh. <clears throat> so anyway, yeah, we've reached Oasis, uh, and then we finally leave Oasis. Uh, the team arrives at the ruined city of Shah Jahan, the former haven of technology, uh, with a lift going to Maria's fortress. Now, before we go up the lift, <laughs> there's a little um, side, there's a little, there's a little area to one side just before you get to this final dungeon, um, where you can fight some cool monsters, which like give you like really good weapons and uh, and boosts your exp and stuff but um also there's a we didn't because like again we haven't got to this in gameplay but the character each character has its individual like field action that they can do and gars is that he can move and smash crates and in this building you can smash a crate and then there's a teleporter so it can give you access to the rest of the world and before I got to the Desert of Death, I had gone and used the teleporter and ended up in this teleporting, in this area. But I couldn't get out because there was a crate blocking this, the ladder for me to climb down. And I, all I can think to myself is, is that in the real world, I would have just jumped onto that crate and then I could have skipped the whole Desert of Death. <laughs> well, and hell, there's, there's parts of the game where you jump down <laughs> off cliffs that size. I know. You jump off a mountain with Nina. <laughs> For fuck's sake. And she jumps off she jumps off a castle. But no, here you can't climb down like one inch gap one inch gap onto a block and then jump down from it. Oh yeah, anyway. I'm remembering a uh, a meme right now. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's like Resident Evil games be like the path is blocked and there's like a tray of food in the way. And Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> I love that stuff. <laughs> uh, making their way up the large escalator to the floating Maria station, the group fights their way into the facility's inner sanctum, where they meet a lavender-haired young man who reveals himself to be Tipo. And again, this is like four hours worth of dungeon. Yeah. So Tipo's back, uh, having survived the attack by Balio and Sunder due to the late due to latent dragon powers, as he is another descendant of the Brood. Dum dum dum. That was a really good twist. I did I, like that twist. I like I like the whole Tipo twist. I I was very confused mm. because you know you don't just have a in an RPG, especially a traditional one, uh, a character join your party and then never return. But I didn't expect it to come back like this. Well, yeah. weren't you weren't you like a really big fan of Tipo <clears throat> in that first section? Yeah, I was. I was. I love Tipo. Guy's got purple hair. What's not to like? Like the, <laughs> like the the entire damn game. That was, was the like, cue that he was a dragon. <clears throat> Good, good point. The, the entire game, I was just waiting. Like, where's where is he? It would be such a it would be such a weird trope if he was actually dead, or a, a trope of version, I guess. 
but yeah, he was later contacted by the goddess who convinced him to live in a peaceful seclusion in her fortress uh, to spare the world from his destructive power. Uh, he then actually tries to convince Ryo and his friends to do the same, uh, which is done for a very strange dream world sequence. <laughs> which, which I remember watching you do that on stream, Scott. <laughs> yeah, there's all those uh, diamonds where you step on them and it takes you to another part of the dungeon, and you kept going around in a nice big loop. <laughs> it was it was super fun. Well, uh-huh. There was also like a section where you had to like literally stand there and do nothing. And I remember, I think it was Disa couldn't get past it because she didn't realize you just oh my God, had yeah, to you stand had to there, st- stand still. You had to stand in front of the statue and not do anything. And it said, kneel before me was was the clue. And I think I was just standing here going, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to think about like, what, what do I have to do here? And then it revealed the next path. But yeah, if you just moved slightly, that was it. Uh, but yeah he morphs into the dragon lord form and then we have to fight him and defeat him and he was probably the hardest boss in the game I think for me Um, I found this fight quite tricky but yeah in his dying words he reveals that he just wanted to be with his family Ryu and Rai hang on let me get that tiny violin out again (laughs) Um, the determined group makes their way to uh, Maria herself within the station's central uh, control control center uh, where she reveals that she examined the dragons centuries ago and for the same reason she removed the world's high technology to keep humanity from inadvertently destroying themselves she presents Ryu the same choice that she gave to Tipo to you know the brood will destroy the planet technology will destroy the planet come live in peace here on the station or be destroyed dum 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 choices eh guys yeah, and you can actually choose to side with her, and it gives you the bad ending. Uh, the game just ends. The game just ends, and the screen <laughs> blacks out. Uh, or the you see Ryu like just sitting under a tree, like the way Tipo was, uh, yeah. and then the screen Feeding blacks out birds. with, and so time passes unchanging. Yeah, I like that ending. Yeah, and I thought that uh, this is a, actually it was a pretty compelling part of the game because I thought she presented some good arguments. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She really did, and then she and then she like she would wipe everyone else's memories as well, <laughs> so they wouldn't remember Ryu. It's like a world without Elon Musk. Let's do it. I'm not making this up. There's a part <laughs> in the final boss where, or maybe the final cutscene where she eliminates all the party members one by one, but it makes you think that they're dead, but then they're not. Of course. Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think Kaz is about to read that bit. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, as Scott was saying, if you challenge her, she'll just start blasting away all your party members um, <clears throat> before the the spirit of Yggdrasil channels himself through Pekko uh, and then returns all of them. Uh, Good old Pekko. I knew he was there for a reason. <laughs> he's the goat of this game, Pekko. Absolutely. He is. He's, <laughs> he's an absolute beast if you build him correctly, too. <laughs> I did. I did as well. I spent the time to build him. Eder <laughs> uh, still then tells Miria uh, she is taking her power too far, and like any parent, she must allow her children to make their own way. Uh, with that, Ryu and his friends fight and defeat her uh, and begin to flee the station as it crumbles around them. Uh, Garv reveals that his life must end with Miria's turning to stone uh, while Ryu and Nina look on. Uh, And as they're escaping, Dees appears before Miria, um, 
saying that they will now leave the world in humanity's hands. Uh, Ryu, Nina, Momo, and Rei, uh, along with Peko, now safely out of the tower, find their way from the rubble and back into the desert for their journey home. Uh, with a just absolutely gorgeous uh, sprite scene here, because it's completely different spri- sprites from the rest of the game. They're <clears throat> they're larger and more detailed, and I'm like, I would have loved if the game was just this the whole time. Especially Nina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That was. I I do remember that. That was really like. I didn't. Yeah. That was great. Um, yeah. Suddenly, Nina's like super hot. <laughs> uh, side thought, real quick. Um, I really didn't want to use Pico, but you guys were talking about how great he is, and he's definitely the goatest character. And I think it was Colin that like basically forced me or bullied me into using him. So, <laughs> yeah. Well done, Colin. You did the right thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the trick is you. Well, we'll get into this in Masters. I'll, I'll bring it back up. Okay. So, I mean, final thoughts really here. Um, The pacing is best described as shit, really. (laughs) Uh, The -hmm. child Ryu parts of the game were pretty good. I actually like that. But once you get into the adult storyline, things feel as though they're really sort of, they really drag on longer than they need to. Um, And yeah, I kind of, I don't know, I just just felt like I got really uninterested in everything that was going on in the game. Well, here's the thing. It... (laughs) I wouldn't call it a bad story necessarily. You're right that there are pacing issues and there are, there are a few like really good compelling scenes. Uh, it's just mm. but like it, the Australian dolphin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but, it, but in between it is it just, like, for example, I feel like it, the, the main goal of the story was to get that boat. I feel like that took half the game. <laughs> so, and then, yep. and then like, and then it, Everybody complained about, you know, you spend so much time using that boat to get to the other continent and then you get sent back. It's just frustrating. It feels like you're not making any progress. Within five seconds, you're back. Right. (laughs) On a a great big teleporter. Yeah. (laughs) What about you, Kaz? What do you think about the story? Oh, yeah, go on. Sorry. Final thoughts on the story? I, I struggle because I remembered enjoying it as a kid. And I replayed it here and it just felt really lacking. Uh, I think it's because it, it feels when I replay it now, it feels like it's more Gar's story than anybody else's. And then he's a character that you don't have to have in your party for the entire game. Um, <laughs> Cause it's really about his whole crisis of faith that leads them to Miria and stopping mm-hmm. Miria. Oh yeah. And um, I also remember being frustrated that, um, you know, you're trying to get to Gar's that tower he wants to go to, wants you to go to for like half the game as well, and you just keep keep going back, and then it doesn't do anything. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. That's a good point. I didn't really think about it that he's definitely the main character. Yeah, it definitely felt like it's centered around him mostly, and I was most upset when he turned to stone at the end. <laughs> but it makes <laughs> sense. We killed his goddess, who's literally the reason he was existing. <laughs> she was giving him all of his life power. Did we mention Gar's like seven hundred years old? Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't think we did. <laughs> too much talk. Too much to talk about in this game. Too much. <laughs> yeah, and that was the struggle cutting it down for this review. We we left out a ton <laughs> of stuff, but it just was side things or mini games that weren't really worth talking about. Oh god, yeah. Let's talk about mini games as least as possible. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's <laughs> let's review the uh, the gameplay aspects of this. Um, 
this uh, mini game central <laughs> something something dark side Uh, just in general, it's pretty standard RPG fare, I would say. But uh, it doesn't really stand out in any particular regard. There's nothing like super wrong with it other than a few of the things we have mentioned so far. Um, but one particularly good thing is while wandering around the game world, you uh, getting pulled into a random encounter will actually have the battle take place right where you are in the game world rather than trans- transitioning into a separate battle screen. Think like uh, Chrono Trigger, I guess. Uh, and while previous Breath of Fire titles allowed the, allowed groups of four characters to participate in combat, uh, Breath of Fire 3 restricts the party limit to only three. Uh, it allows a new formation system that allows characters to be arranged in, in certain patterns for tactical benefits. I don't think I... I don't know why. This was a thing for games on the PS1. Everybody was going to three party members from, from larger parties before. I don't know if they just saw how successful Super Mario RPG was and went with it. That is uh, a that is a good trigger. question. I do wonder about that. Yeah, I barely paid any attention to the tactical formations <laughs> in this game. Colin <clears> kept. <throat> I, know, I knew const- you could get other ones. <laughs> Colin kept constantly trying to get me to change my formations. I was like, I do not understand them. Why do I need to change? <laughs> yeah, them? No, I just strong guy, strongest guy at the front. Everyone else at the back. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was it for me. <laughs> Maybe it'd been easier if I had to change them around, but who knows. Um, the combat has an in, uh, intuitive and well-designed icon-based interface for attacking and using special it- uh, items or special abilities. Most characters can learn both spells. Uh, both spells. Uh, most characters can learn. But oh yeah, both spells and learn certain special moves that they observe from enemies. But I didn't do any of this. I didn't do any of that stuff. We had to like observe an I enemy. Didn't either. I, I gave up on that like really early on. Yeah, that's 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 not for me. <laughs> and Ryu in particular has the ability to combine a number of dragon genes together to transform into one of several different types of dragons, each with its own unique char- characteristics and abilities. And I would say I would have liked to have explored those more, like you know, trial. It's basically trial and error because sometimes I do like a random combination, and you'd get some really weird-looking dragons. Like I turn into this big fat pink thing with like spikes all down its back, and it looked like a pig. I was just like, wow, <laughs> what <Yeah>. is this thing? <laughs> yeah, I did actually enjoy but, that yeah, mechanic, like, but like, usually it was just like, okay, let's do the big one and the fire one and the giga one, and you just move on. Yeah. <laughs> one, once you've learned like, the, the two or three most powerful ones, that's, those are the only ones you see from there, that onwards, but there are some really interesting ones in there. Right. Um, so there's also one unique and hidden, quote-unquote, transformation called Kaiser. So... Uh, Apparently, that is a known entity in the Breath of Fire series, and it's usually portrayed as a dragon. Well, I would hope so, since we're turning into dragons. Um, <laughs> in Breath of Fire 3, you're able to transform yourself into a controllable, ver- 
controllable version, which creates a golden aura around you, basically making Ryu look like look like a Super Saiyan. Yeah, I did do that a few times. It was pretty OP. Mm. Yeah, that was that was the best one because you had to use like the reverse gene and the failure gene or something. It was like a really like unassuming combination because you could turn into the Kaiser Dragon, which is the big dragon that he turns into when Gar attacks him in Angel Tower. Right. Uh, but you can't control it. It's like a berserk mode. But yeah, or you can turn into the Kaiser human form dragon, <laughs> which is Super Saiyan. It's like, yeah, that was, it was pretty weird, but also like kind of cool, <laughs> but also, you know, very anime. All right. The game is also presented from an isometric viewpoint. Uh, the player can rotate the game's camera in any direction around the central character, um, but not too far. You can just kind of tilt to the side a little bit and up and down. Um, I I hated this as a mechanic for finding story-based items to progress the game. Agreed. I'm not even talking about... I'm not even talking about, like, the bit where you had to find all the ship parts. I'm like, there's a soldier in McNeil Manor when you're doing the infiltration mission at the beginning who's dropped his wallet. Yeah. And I had to, I had to look... I, I couldn't figure out what I was supposed to do. I, to, I looked at a video on YouTube of someone going through that and saw them adjust the camera, and I was like, oh, yeah. You can move the camera. <laughs> it's just like there's his bloody wallet on the floor. Oh, I think I remember earlier, hating Kaz, it you when I had to about... play when I had to play hide and seek with the kids. <clears throat> oh, yes. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. That it, it's I I personally love isometric shit, I'm, and I'm even okay with rotating the camera, but not having to rotate it define things. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Because you could do it in Grandia, but it wasn't to find things. It was just to have a look around. Right. <clears throat> but it was, it was never like a requirement to find a item to progress the game. So, yeah, that, that's what bugged me. Uh, but each character can also perform a special ability that allows the player to solve puzzles and destroy objects. Like I mentioned earlier of Gar, who can destroy uh, blocks and stuff and move heavy objects. Uh, as well as gain access to otherwise hidden areas. And I did really enjoy this aspect. You know, it's very much like in Wild Arms, where they each have their different tools and stuff that you can use in the dungeons in order to sort of progress and solve puzzles. But at the same time, I don't feel like Breath of Fire made enough use of it. Yeah, my also some of the some of them had really wonky controls. Uh, I I really and I'm sorry if you can hear a vacuum, uh, but I really hated Pecos field skill because you would like build up speed and hit something uh and in the adult part we're in the um in the plant there's an area where you have to like hit rocks into greenhouses but there's one of them where you have to like literally like sprint down a corridor and then quickly turn left and hit a rock yeah and because uh, you into have the to build up that speed window yeah <laughs> Yeah, I remember because Skelly drew a picture of it and put it in the Discord, <laughs> and then I used it as the thumbnail for that uh, that, <laughs> that RPG Club episode. <laughs> like, here we go, we've got to kick this thing. <laughs> so what I... I like the idea of this system, but what I hated about it was that sometimes, like, you can't switch your characters whenever. So if you need, for example... Momo's bazooka to knock down a wall or something and you didn't bring Momo with you you gotta leave the whole ass dungeon <laughs> uh, oh yeah there was there was one there was one at the it was in the final dungeon wasn't it close you to needed it. Momo to burn down a plant and then you had uh, in order to get into the area where Tipo is but then you also needed Ray, uh, Ray to unlock two doors 
the Ray bit made sense because you needed Ray to be there for the Tepo scene. Right. And you literally have to have him in your team to get into the area where Tepo is. But the other bit just before that where you burn down the plant, like you that's all you need Momo for. You can go back and change her after that. Right. But it's just it was really annoying that they added that in there rather than if Momo was required for the scene with Tepo, which she wouldn't need to be. But yeah. Yeah, and um, I don't there are other RPGs that do this. Uh, Paper Mario comes to mind. I know Bill hasn't played it. I don't know if Kaz has. But uh, yep. um, you can just switch your characters whenever you want. So it's not a big deal in those games. I think this might be the first one where that was a problem. And even in Wild Arms, and y'all know I'm like an infamous hater of Wild Arms, um, you know, you always have the three characters and that's it. So it's not a problem. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> The game introduces a number of new features to the series, including the Master System, which I hated, which allows any of the game's playable characters to apprentice under specific non-playable characters known as their Masters, which allows them to learn new skills and influence their statistics. That is the biggest simplification I've seen of any gameplay mechanic in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the Master Builds is where you can go off off the rails with this game. And like you say, me and yourself, Scott, we built Pico. (laughs) <laughs> right because pico joins you at level one so he's literally the one character where you can attach him to a master and affect his stats from the very very start um and build him in any way that you want him to but for me i really i only use bunyan and i think it's Thal, was it like the two who people use, who yeah. basically give you like loads of attack and defense <laughs> that was my two the builds o- i just use them the other them. really the other really good master was uh Deese. Which is who I used for for Rayu and Momo. Right, and uh, I basically just did whatever Colin told me to do with the master system. But uh, the good good work, Colin. <laughs> the, the problem was that uh, there's no there's not really a fast travel system in this game. So if you if you need to change masters or you know check in on them, it's it's not it's it's not easy to go back to wherever that master is and you know do upkeep (laughs) yeah because that's something that we didn't mention in the description there is to like learn skills from the masters you have to go back and visit them and for instance in the game when you're in that loop with uh baleo sunder and sunder chasing you if you have somebody apprentice apprentice to bunyan you can't go back and learn any of those skills Mm. i think Um, i think i heard they fixed that a little bit in breath of fire 4 but obviously i haven't um, I was going to say also, this is going back to that ability to learn enemy abilities and in battle by observing them. I actually learned that the masters here, if you have like two people apprenticed under the same master, only one of them will learn the skills from the master. Shit. And to get them onto the other character, you have to use that observe, uh, go to camp and use an ink to like transfer the skill to another character. <laughs> I either didn't know that or forgot that. <laughs> I discovered it late when I was dealing with these, but that, that was it. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I don't like the master system. I would rather it not be there at all, personally. Uh, the other additional feature that we've already mentioned is the fairy village, which gives you the ability to influence and grow a small town of fairies, which in turn gives you access to special items or in-game features, such as mini games and sound test. <laughs> so yeah, the, the the fairy village is essentially like you know a uh, what do you call it like a dev room, 
<laughs> but you have to build it and then they'll sell you. They won't give it to you. They'll sell you items that are pretty OP if you can work the village correctly. By the time I realized, right. I, I, like I said, I only went to the fairy village a couple of times. And by the time I realized it was like a whole ass like side game, I was like, uh, I'm too far in now. <laughs> yeah, like I mentioned earlier, I, I was building it out and then halfway through the game when I got locked into a sequence of events and then I came out the sequence of events and got back to my fairy village, everyone was dead. <laughs> so I abandoned it at that point. Yay. <laughs> Question mark. All right. So while journeying on the world map, uh, and actually I'm going to go off script here for a second, Bill. Uh, one thing I di- that we didn't talk about in the world map is that there's no random encounters on the world map. Uh, you're free to traverse it, but instead you can kind of force yourself into a field area if you want to go grind, uh, which I actually appreciated for traveling the world map. Uh, but in addition to going into one of those field areas, you can also set up camp, uh, which can replenish uh, characters' health by resting, uh, as well as allowing them to speak directly to any member of their party. Um, it's also where you can change party members. Uh, other se- series mainstays, such as fishing, return with a new expanded interface and point allocation system that keeps track of what fish a player has caught and their size. The- uh, and I think, Bill, I want, I think you wanted to talk about the encounter rate in this game. Well, only, only because there's a mechanic in this game where if you walk, the encounter rate is lower. Whereas if you use the run button, it increases the encounter rate in those areas. So I did the, uh, the admirable thing of not walking, uh, no, of walking everywhere, and uh, using two times speed on my emulator. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I I ran everywhere and just had a shit ton of battles. Yeah, I think I yeah. think I for like the first two thirds of the game I ran, and then I got bullied enough by Bill and Frost and others to start walking <laughs> because the <laughs> the encounter rate is truly like off the chain for this game. IMO like we're talking we're talking NES era RPGs. <laughs> Just every few steps, it feels like sometimes. Um, but, but yeah, it, it, it sucked. <laughs> All right, and that brings an end to our Breath of Fire free review, guys. Let's move on and let's rate this game. the story of Breath of Fire 3 starting with Kaslo as our guest so it's technically Scott's a guest but all right as I as I said <laughs> before I remember enjoying it a lot more as a kid 
I don't think it flows as well going back and replaying it. Uh, and it's brought down a lot by all the branches that branch off the main story. Um, so I think I'd normally give it a six, but because of that branching, I'm going to go with a five. Five. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to be a little harsh, I think. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm going to give it a four. I found it infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> it was just all over the place. And I only really found like the last five minutes interesting. And I can't stand it when games do that. Look at you, Seventh Saga. <laughs> Uh, I'll, what about you, Scott? I'll be slightly kinder. I'm going to go with a six, um, just just because. Yeah, the story is not great, but I do like some of the highlights, and it was a PS1 RPG. So, <laughs> fair enough. So, combat. Uh, I'll I'll kick us off with combat. I kind of liked the combat system, mostly the dragon forms. Um, but again, there were parts of the combat system which were completely ignorable and didn't really matter. Um, and again, like 90% of the master system I ignored as well. So I'm going to give it a 7. I enjoyed some of it, but not all of it. Uh, uh, Scott, you next. Um, I don't feel like the, the dragon system is nice, but other than that, I don't feel like the combat does anything particularly special. Um, so... I guess I'll go with a six as well, or a six for myself. Cool. Cas? I'm going to go with an eight. I think it gave everything that I expect from like a, a, a standard one, which I would rate as a seven. Uh, and then I really like the, the dragon um, transformations. So that kind of bumps it up to an eight for me. <laughs> So let's look at non-combat. I'm going to start with you, Scott. So you're looking at things like Pico kicking rocks, <laughs> encounter rates around the world, <laughs> yeah, <Mini-games>. shops, <laughs> mini games, mini games. Yeah, I I really think the non-combat in this game is pretty <clears throat> bad. <laughs> I think I usually trend higher on ratings than other co-hosts, but uh, I think I got to go with a four here. <laughs> four. No, I think that's fair enough. What about you, Kaz? Um, I will say this is the one game where I felt like the non-combat category of our scoring system really is appropriate as a scoring system. <laughs> um, and I, I think I'm going to go with a four as well. Nice. Uh, I'm going to go with a three, I think. Bowser's pretty... I mean, pretty harsh on this game, but some of the mini games were terrible. Like... The one where you had to put like cheese or something in the well. You're kind of going. <laughs> you're you're kind of going full rich no, on this, where he just like nukes it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to nuke it, but it's just like, yeah, I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real about these sort of things. Yeah. Oh, right, I tell you what, I'll I'll go in here straight away with graphics. Then I'm gonna give it an eight. I did I did like this game visually, even though I wish it had kind of gone. Uh, the other way around. I don't like. De- I don't like ending on a desert area. Yeah, um, that's kind of what I was thinking about too. But also the like. I love. I love pixel art personally, and I thought the game was pretty. Mm. And I don't really have that many complaints about the actual like visuals. There's tons of animations, and even the enemies are like regular enemies are animated. I liked it. I'm gonna go nine. 
nine. Nice. And Kaz? See, I would give it a nine if the whole game was that sprite work from the final final scene. <laughs> but since it's not, I'm going to go with an eight. Eight. Nicely done. And then what do you think of audio, Scott? Um, I could not like, even hum a single song from this game. I don't think the music was bad, <laughs> necessarily, but it certainly wasn't memorable. Um, so I think I, I can't, in good conscience, give it anything higher than a six. Six. I'm going to give it a lovely five. I don't think it was dreadful, but again, like I say, it just wasn't very memorable, and I'm not a big fan of jazz stuff anyway. Cas, uh, I'm gonna give it a seven. I actually really like the jazzy feel, um, <laughs> and it was it was really taking a departure from other games. So I give him pop uh, props for uh, actually pulling that off. Okay, and then finally, what about overall feel? And start with you, Scott. It's similar for me because I didn't like strongly dislike the game, but also I, you know, I may not have even finished it if it hadn't been the you know the club game um uh seven is too high i'm gonna go six here six is fair what about you Cass? um i was i was thinking a six as well uh i think it still a lot of fun to play i just the the story and the non-combat really pull it down mini games Master system. <laughs> so what did you say, Kathleen? A six. Six. Uh, I'm actually giving it a six as well. Funnily enough. Hey. Uh, I just felt like this is kind of a slightly above average game. Like, not great, not terrible, but just somewhere in the middle. So... What are your guys' final thoughts then before we reveal the scores? Well, you, you didn't ask us about the final boss. Oh, yeah. Uh, what are your final boss ratings then? I barely, Scott, you start us off. <laughs> I barely remember it. Uh, my whole thing would be about uh, how compelling that final conversation with her is before the fight begins, which isn't part of it. Uh, but other than that, I don't remember the mechanics at all or barely even what she looks like. So I'm gonna say, oh, she was she was freaky, man. Do you remember all the like the weird alien stuff coming out of the? Oh heck, the yeah, that you just jogged my memory by saying that. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm I'm gonna go just middle of the road five. Not bad, not good, not memorable. Five. I'm okay. trying to remember and Kesler? the final the final boss did not have a second phase, right? It was just the one phase. Uh, yeah, I think she only had the one. I'm probably going to go one below Scott because it didn't have a final phase. So four. Is that even an RPG anymore? Should that be added to the... Is this an RPG? <laughs> like, <laughs> scale test. <laughs> Does the final boss have more than one phase? Yeah. <laughs> if it has more than four, it gets bonus points. Right. <laughs> Um, I really enjoyed the final boss. Uh, it was a good fight, not as kind of good as Tipo, but um, but yeah, I liked all like I say the weird, freaky stuff that started coming out. And she did kind of transform from her angelic sort of 
state where she's chatting to you and then into the sudden like freaky weird Ripley's alien monster that came afterwards. So I'm going to give it a seven. And I so I like to rate these on difficulty as well. I didn't I didn't find it the easiest of times to beat her. Can't remember if I lost or not. I, I know it wasn't like particularly difficult, but um, and just so everybody remembers, the final boss rating does not count towards the final score. It's just like a bonus fun thing. It it does not. So guys, I'm gonna I'll run down my scores. So for story, I gave it a four. Combat a seven. Non combat three. Visuals eight. Audio five. Overall feels six. And final boss uh, gave it a seven, but it doesn't count. So I gave it a thirty three out of sixty, which is a fifty five percent. And Scott? For myself, I gave story a 6, combat a 6, non-combat a 4, visuals a 9, audio 6, overall feel 6, final boss, which doesn't count, a 5, which makes my overall score a 37 out of 60, or a 61.6%, which is about right for me, I think. Uh, And I gave it a 5 for story, 8 for combat, 4 for non-combat, 8 for visuals, 7 for audio, uh, a six for overall feel and a four for the final boss uh, for a 38 out of 60 or 63.33%. <laughs> Which puts it quite low down on our list because that gives it an overall rating of 62.77%. Do you know where it's about? Yeah, it's just slightly above Sword of a Million and Yoshi's Crafted World and just under uh, the Final Fantasy Legend. Which is the I feel first like we might have been game. harsh to this game. <laughs> we were. We the game were, was harsh on us, Kesler. And we were. We. I do think we may have been a little harsh, but I would need to look at the the scale <laughs> just in general to see if we were being accurate or not. And if if Rich had been here to play this, it probably would have been even lower. So <laughs> uh, he wouldn't have finished the game. Fair. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> right. All right then. Let's uh, let's get into listeners' feedback because we've got quite a bit. Yes, it's time for listener feedback, and sadly, we have to say goodbye to Scott and Caslow at this point, because I have killed them. Or we just ran out of time. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I ran out of my uh, my lunch break time, so I had to go back to work, and we just haven't been able to realign the stars to get back together just to finish off the episode. So sadly, people, it's now, <laughs> as tends to happen with this show, you end up with just little old Bill.
So I'm going to read out all the listener feedback that we got from everyone. So starting off with Colin, a.k.a. Saga Jeebus. Colin says, overall, the game can be good, but it has some glaring errors that it should uh, have been avoided. It's very obvious that Capcom was trying to follow up on FF7's Gold Saucer as it was released earlier that year. The mandatory minigames to progress the so-called plot, <laughs> more on this later, made a middle endgame progress an absolute nightmare. The pros. Replayability via the master system and party choices. Each member has obvious strengths and weaknesses. A couple of jack-of-all-trades to plug the gaps if wanted, but they aren't great. Too bad the main protag is one of those. Masters allow to tweak characters to your liking. Fairy Village main mechanic is obtuse, but the rewards are fantastic if you take time to deal with it. Battles are fairly straightforward. Nothing stands out. Nothing overly bad either. Learning skills from enemies is interesting, but not needed for the most part. Cons. The story is dot 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 there. <laughs> there really isn't much of a drive to push forward. Uh, unless unless you're a TPO, of course, and then you can just fly to the end of the game. The final goal of meeting God, who should be Goddess, is supposedly a big, huge thing, but all of the travels to get us there are lacklustre. She, he, it <laughs> doesn't really, uh, doesn't directly or even indirectly hinder the progress of their greatest enemy slash fear. Minigames. They are fine and plentiful, but the reason they are a con is due to the fact that they are mandatory to progress in the story. This was a very bad choice by the dev. They should be bonuses to doing minigames, not doing these five things to get to the next area. The end result, an experience, <laughs> an experience. <laughs> uh, I can see a lot of players getting to certain sections and just dropping the game due to the ridiculousness of the requirements to progress. Like Gar having to pull in item like dead machinery out of the ocean. Uh, others will find some uh, of the exploits easy and as such won't have a hard time uh, pushing past monotony. <laughs> I can tell why some feel this is a great game. For me, it is a solid middle of the road. Glad I finally played and finished it, but unlikely to return to it again. I gladly play Breath of Fire 1 and 2, and 4, I'm aware, fixes some of the issues from 3. Uh, yeah, I would definitely say 4 fixes a lot of the issues from 3. Much much more well-rounded game. Alright, moving on. Deesa, Queen of the RPGs. Uh, where to start? First, I want to say I went into this excited. I really, really did. I didn't want to dislike it. I feel bad for all the ranting for anyone who loves this game. But this game is just wasn't for me at all. Every time I began enjoying myself, it pulled something annoying. It wanted me to play it in a way that I that isn't in my playstyle at all. I have met the first RPG I really don't like. <gasps> Deesa! <laughs> this, is a, this is a harsh criticism indeed so over to more objective thoughts I don't think this is a good game it has some glaring faults it's painfully slow but other PlayStation RPGs are too but the way you level up makes it seem even slower the minigames are mandatory it never really lets you pick a team since you can't change party members in dungeons and at the same time you have to use them in a dungeon so effectively you end up with two well-rounded party members and one worse if you don't know the game very well. Uh, the music 
the story and the graphics are bland, but the music and story are at least subjective. No teleport out of dungeons. Don't you have legs? Question <laughs> mark. And that's the thing about this game. It really, I really soured on it because it felt like trying to. <laughs> it was trying to ex- exploitive deleted <laughs> over me, <laughs> intentionally ruining anything. <laughs> God, I've never seen. I've never seen Deesa swearing text before. This is this is a momentous moment. <laughs> she, she bleeped it out herself, but yeah. <clears throat> Intentionally ruining any try on having fun. I doubt even time can warm me up to this game again. And so she gave combat a 4 out of 10, non-combat 3 out of 10, story 4 out of 10, graphics 3 out of 10, music 3 out of 10, overall feel and enjoyment a 1 out of 10, giving it a 30. And that's... Um, yeah, that is some criticism from Deesa, which a lot of it I agree with. I don't think it was that bad, but yeah, well, you know, there we go. We finally found an RPG that Deesa doesn't like. You know, let's hope that trend doesn't continue, Deesa. Let's hope we find lots more games that you love. <laughs> uh, Frosty the Snowman comes in and says, So I managed to complete this entirely without a guide, with one exception. See negatives. <laughs> Overall, it's a decent game that suffers from some large issues most of which were fixed by having a four times speed option uh first the positives music is pretty good boo music sucks man i had to go through i had to go through the entire soundtrack picking out songs in this review and yeah the more i listen to it the more i dislike <laughs> the music for this game anyway that's me what about frost uh this is an ost i'd actually listen to oh, Frost. funky jazz sounds uh funky jazz abounds even if the forest theme is a blatant rip-off of the one from Chrono Trigger, the map theme is fantastic. The Master System gives a lot of possibilities for customization. Basically, any character can be fast or strong or a magic user to a point. The story was coherent, and I was mostly in on what they were trying to do. Maybe the story of the two goddesses could have been fleshed out a little bit more. Oh, I like that you could choose to uh, acquiesce... acquiesce. <laughs> Before get that word, uh, at the end or not and fight the final boss you can grind your way out of any problem negatives negative 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 uh, such a good OST the final boss theme was lackluster yeah it was I didn't even use it in the review which is very rare for me I actually used the boss theme for when you fight Tipo because that's slightly better uh, mini game hell is <laughs> another negative. Having to walk out of every dungeon. Yep. Uh, having to leave most dungeons to swap specific characters needed to progress. Having to walk back to masters to learn skills. Game direction wasn't the best, so I spent a ton of time walking around trying to find the next location to advance the story. Did I mention all the walking? Slow combat, which is typical of PS1 RPGs like FF9, Chrono Cross, etc. Uh, too much Balio and Sunder, who like they were gone after like quarter of the game. <laughs> Everyone's like too much of a. Uh, the whole kid section was one big captured escape loop that went on too long. The desert directions were translated incorrectly. The only thing in the game I had to look up ruined my guideless playthrough. Overall, at four times speed, it wasn't too bad, but something I'd, re- but not something I'd return to play. Although I will return to that sweet jazzy map theme frost you are a disgusting human being anyway marlon comes in and says summary (laughs) i view this game through rose colored glasses i would not tolerate a modern rpg doing so many of the things that this game does when i recommend this game to others i tell them the story gets good at angel tower 
without realising that Angel Tower is less than 50% of the way through the game. Like, I like the extreme amount of customization you can do with the Master System. I like how much effort was put into the campfire chats with the party as well as the OST. The fishing game is one of the best in any RPG out there. Yeah, you, 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 you're right there. Uh, last, <laughs> not too high a praise, but yes, that is correct. Lastly, I like the huge effort went into the world building for this game. Dislikes. The mandatory minigames compared to FF7's system, which was much better. I heavily dislike the numerous dead-end story elements where somebody tells you to do something only for you to find out that your efforts were wasted, i.e. everything involving uh, Ralphia except for the volcano. Yep. Right. <clears throat> Robbie comes in. Okay, final review time. Breath of Fire 3 is a pile of hot garbage. Does anything else need to be said? Well, in fairness, I will say more. First, the artwork and visuals of this game are beautiful. I love the sprites and the characters and enemies. The music was meh. <laughs> Easily forgotten, except the battle music, because that's all I really heard while getting into a fight every couple of steps. The characters were okay. They had some decent backstories. But the story of this game as a whole was boring and forgettable. We're off to see the goddess, the wonderful goddess of Oz. <laughs> That's what he says. He says, we're off to see the god and ask a bunch of questions, but don't really want to change or accomplish anything. The ending was also a giant snooze. We spent more time talking than fighting the boss. Jeans looked like they could be interesting to toy around with, but never really needed. The same with the skilling, enemy skill system. This was the ultimate hit in with a stick until the game dies. The Masters look like it could have added some variety to the characters, but I don't have time to run back to the beginning of the game every couple of levels. Didn't touch the Fairy Village, so no comment. The game's biggest sin, however, is the mini-games. As I've ranted on before, I won't go into extreme detail, but yeah, they are bad. Overall, this is the worst game I've played for the club. Oh no. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Glad to get it out of the way, as I was playing through the, broth the boffs anyway. And this is bottom tier. You are correct. Right. Good old Calderanus has an excellent bit of feedback here. Review time. Breath of Fire 3 has a lot of potential. <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't know why, I don't know why I'm doing that voice. <laughs> my name is Calderanus. And this is now my voice. No, I won't do that. I won't do that to you, Cal. Uh, Breath of Fire 3 has a lot of potentials. So seeing it fall short of that potential really robbed it of all that goodwill I had going into it. Visually, this game is beautiful. The sprites and animations are great. The 3D elements hold up fantastically good for a PS1 game. And the special effects are great. The sound design is similarly stellar, although some of the tracks felt a bit out of place. The music itself was fantastic, especially the credits theme. Yeah, I did like the credits theme. Uh, the gameplay wasn't bad, but the lack of documentation for important features really hurt it. The Master System was a great mechanic, but the lack of any real travel outside of clunky teleporters made going back to them every few levels a pain particularly when your team is all apprenticed to different masters the other skill learning mechanic where you watch an enemy to learn a skill felt unnecessary because of the masters and needed to be a bit more transparent to be useful i found i would fail to learn a skill i knew i should be able to learn without a failure message appearing I think to have both systems was a bit much. The minigames were a mixed bag. On one hand, they were pretty um, ubiquitous, 
uh, in early PS1 games, so I'm not surprised to see them here. But most of the minigames in RPGs, they don't add anything truly valuable to the game as a whole. The fishing minigame was by far the best of them, but the boat minigame and the desert should have been left in the game. Should not have been left in the game in the state they were in. The story was the part where the team really dropped the ball. We had three major plot threads that did not mesh at all and were all too long. The first was escaping from Balio and Sunder, who could not have stuck around, who should not have stuck around as long as they did, but were also the only real villain presence in the game. Once they were gone, there was never any real presence to keep, uh, any real pressure to keep going. All despite this part being a pain to play, constantly locking you out of each area and not letting you back. Narratively, it was my favourite. The second major plot thread was go to the place. And <laughs> Gar's refusal to tell Ryu anything combined with the constant sidetracks we had to go through meant we really didn't have much reason to care about why we were doing anything. And there wasn't really anything other than Gar being impatient to drive the story. Finally, the third plot thread the entire rest of the game was go to the place redux. <laughs> Only this time, you have to find the place first. Here, I was really feeling the lack of any real antagonist. Right up to the final dungeon, there wasn't anything that made me feel I needed to do this. And the lack of any real answers at the end made it feel pointless. Usually in these games where you kill a god at the end... You have some reason to do, but here it went from the party asking their questions to "Hey, fight me, or I'll lock you up and erase your memories" without any real bar, without any real build-up. Ultimately, it felt like they had a small piece of a great RPG and stretched it as thin as they possibly could and hoped no one would notice. I enjoyed the game, but I would not recommend it over other PS1 games or even other Breath of Fire games. Excellent bit of feedback there, Calderanus. Even though I can't seem to speak today. <laughs> Anyway, I think um, just to add my own final thoughts to the game, it's not terrible, you know. I managed to get through this game relatively easily. It wasn't too much of a slog, and I kind of liked the ending stuff with the goddess. Um, I thought it was interesting being a little bit different from being like, hey, we've got to kill gods because they're doing this thing. It's more like, hey, what's going on? And the gods is like, oh, I'm stopping humanity's progress for reasons. It's like, oh, okay, I guess we should kill you then. <laughs> It was a little bit different. But um, yeah, aesthetically, I really liked the game, except the desert area. And music-wise, I thought it absolutely sucked. Very, very middle of the road, this game. I think that's the best way of ex of explaining it. I think some people would love it if you were quite into tinkering with things. I think for the majority of people going back to this game, I don't think this is a good game to go back to. <laughs> anyway, let's move on, shall we, people? Let's stop talking about Breath of Fire 3. Let's get into our outro.
Yes, that's, pretty, that's an into it. So let me read out Scott's part here. Bill, you handsome chap who I love more than anything on this planet. That's it for our Breath of Fire free review. Bill, what are you going to be doing next week? Well, thank you, Scott. That was so nice of you to say. So next week, we'll be back to me and good old Frostino, where we will be doing the segment two for Disco Elysium. Oh, yes, that's correct. Disco Elysium's back, baby. <laughs> well, at least I've played a little bit of it. So, yeah, I've, I've managed to complete segment two, so me and Frost did the review section for it. And so, yeah, we're gonna, we are going to continue and finish off the uh, RPG Club for that. So don't worry, people. The RPG clubs are coming thick and fast. Don't forget, we are currently in the nominations for the RPG Club, which I'm sure you're all gagging at the bit to know more information about if you want to find out what the nominations were. But again, just listen to the beginning of this episode. <laughs> this Sunday, we will announce the winner of the next RPG Club, and then me and Frost will bang our heads together and figure out when we're going to squeeze that in and start that up. So yes, lots of fun things to come. Please, everybody, if you love the show, or if you like the show, or if you dislike the show, please rate and review us. Funnily enough, giving a one-star review still helps you out. <laughs> These people are interacting with the show. Uh, and again, on Spotify, you can leave feedback as well, which is cool. We have a patron, of course. Of course there's a patron. That's what all the RPG Club stuff's about. If you want to get involved with nominating and voting for the RPG Club games, come and join the patron. Great stuff on there. Lots of extra reviews. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash RPG years. You can email the show if you want to come. If you want to email us at rpgafteryears at gmail.com haven't changed that because it's impossible to change gmail especially when someone's already stolen rpg years uh and if you want to come talk to me caslo scott frost rich any one of these people you've heard from today like even calderanus and ask him about his feedback you can come join the discord links are in below you can find it on our pinned tweet on x <laughs> and anywhere else if you are on x or twitter whatever you want to call it you can find me at metanica m-e-t-u-n-n-i-c-a and you can find the show at rpg years Again, we had Scott today. Scott's got his own Twitch channel, which you can find at um, the, uh, underscore the Scott Spot, I think, on Twitch. Uh, just search the Scott Spot on Twitch and you'll be able to find him. It is an excellent variety str gaming streamer. Uh, he's currently playing Coral Island, Legend of the Goon, and a couple of other games on there as well. And Kazlo is also a um, streamer with Final Fantasy XIV. You can find him Kazlo25. Uh, uh, no, I think, he's, I think his handle's Kazlo25, but I think he's like Legally Gamer. On Twitch, I'm terrible. I should have, I should have had all this written down. Sorry, Kaz. <laughs> but yes, you can find Kaz Lowe's and you can find him on YouTube as well, where he's just finished off the Suikoden 5. He's done a whole Let's Play of that on YouTube. So if you like the Suikoden 5, you can go find that there. But that's it. Okay. I'm Bill. It's very lonely in this car. <laughs> but yes, I'm... I'm what was Scott going to say to this? And that's it. And Scott was going to say... That's it for the Breath of Fire free review. Bill, why are you glowing yellow? <laughs> because I've turned into a bloody Dragon Ball Z style Kaiser Dragon. See you all next week, people. Love you all. Bye.
This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com.